0: of the 2022 college football bowl season this is the we hate your team podcast i'm kelly ford and with me as always is my co-host zach king kinger new year six and cfp are here how are we doing this week
1: Doing great, buddy. This is it, Gally. Like you said, New Year's 6 CFB. It's time for the Big Dog Games. This is the primetime matchups that everybody's looking forward to. We got some great bowl games this weekend topped off with the college football playoff on Saturday night. I can't wait, man. This is a gambler's paradise here for these next few few days. So much football all day long. We just had Wisconsin-Oklahoma State kick at 930 Central. Got some late night football tonight heading into the rest of the weekend. Can't wait.
0: Bowl season is awesome, Kinger, because as we've talked about, there's games on all day, every day, but you said it, this is the pinnacle. This is what teams work all year for. It is the playoff, it is the New Year Six, and we love all the games but we'd be lying if we said that there wasn't something extra special about these. When you're going for the national championship, I mean, that is the pinnacle of the sport. We saw a great college football season end last year right here in my hometown of Indianapolis. Looking forward to seeing which two teams make it to LA this year for the national championship game. King, the last two weeks, it's been just you and I picking games. Tonight, we are honored to be joined by our 2022 regular season pick'em competition winner. You know him in the pool as Irish Hokie 24. That is an alias. In real life, he is known as Brian Murphy, and he is my good friend from graduate school. Brian, congratulations, first
2: off, and secondly, welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate it, Kelly and Zach. It's an honor to be on the show, and... Uh... You know, bowl, bowl season and and pick 'em's throughout the year. It, it's been it's been so much fun and a lot of luck involved in it. That's for sure. But yeah, I was, uh, you know, as as each week went by and and I climbed the leaderboard, I'm like, wow, this is actually going better than I thought. So appreciate you having me on and love talking some college football. So so let's do it.
0: Well, Brian, we are honored to have you on. You absolutely earned your right. Last year, it was King and I's friend from Purdue, uh, Parker Buell, who joined us. This year, it's a friend from graduate school at Ohio University. We will be picking the Bobcats bowl game here on this episode, Brian. I know we're excited about that one. But Brian, if you wouldn't mind, just take a few minutes and tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I mean, anything you want to go into. How'd you get the name Irish Hokie? Like, there's got to be a story behind that. But the, the floor is yours, man. Just take it away. Tell us about yourself.
2: That's right. Irish Hokie, as, as it's written out, uh, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. So I grew up a big Notre Dame family. My dad played baseball there. My brother went uh, club lacrosse, you know, that counts. Um, I thought I wanted to be the, the leprechaun, you know, at Notre Dame. I, I wore blue and gold. I brought my Notre Dame football to recess every day. And that's what we played with. I'm from northern New Jersey originally. So good Notre Dame presence here. Um, not going to get into details, but didn't wind up going to Notre Dame. And I had two older sisters who went to Virginia Tech. Absolutely loved it there. I wanted to go to a big Southern school, Southern from New Jersey. Um, now that I live in Nashville, you know, it's not too Southern, but, I uh, loved the experience at Virginia Tech. And when I went, man, that program was rolling. It was the, the, not the latest years of Frank Beamer, but the Tyrod Taylor years, three ACC championships in my four undergrad years, Couple of Orange Bowl uh, appearances, and I did a lot of, you know, road game travel to ACC schools and bowl games and postseason. So um, that's kind of my story and my college football history. You know, I've been fortunate enough, as Kelly mentioned, went to graduate school with him and uh, went to college athletics. So, I do work in an athletic department. I'm in the SEC, in my second school in the SEC. Uh, so it's a blast to just kind of make my lifelong passion, my career. Definitely um, blessed to, to kind of do that and, you know, love everything about it. It's it's the craziest industry in, in the world, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and um, definitely love this time of year with, with the bowl games going on.
0: Brian, we could do uh, we could do a two-hour "We Hate Your Team" episode just on the inner workings of college athletics. With as much as everything has changed just since you and I joined the industry a handful of years ago, now I mean it's wild, dude. The rate of change has never been greater. The amount of change has never been been greater. The industry is just absolutely insane. But like you said, it's fun. It keeps us on our toes. Brian, you said you're at your second SEC stop now. Tell us, everyone, where was the first stop that you were at? There, the SEC,
2: the dogs. <laughs> oh boy!
0: So we got we're, we're gonna be picking the Ohio game tonight. We're gonna be picking the Notre Dame game tonight, and we will be picking Georgia Ohio State tonight as well. Brian is on point on all of these games, Kinger. I'm sure you have some questions for Brian. Yeah,
1: Brian just had got to experience pretty much the exact opposite of we did what we did when we were an undergrad, Kelly. You know, Brian mentioned Virginia Tech bringing home three ACC championships. Purdue. We got a little Caesars Bowl our freshman year, and I'm pretty sure we got six wins the remaining three years we were at school. So just a little. little. Little bit different there, but you mentioned we're going to talk about the different games tonight. But just interested to hear, Brian, back against the wall here. You and Kelly, very similar. Both attend undergrad at one school, diehard fans in another school. Are you like Kelly? Kelly's taking Ohio State over Purdue every day, all day long, which is very disappointing. But it's what we get. It's what we're used to by now. Are you taking Notre Dame over over Virginia Tech all day long?
2: Great question, Zach. A lot of people ask me this, and I have actual you know, a real world coming of, I don't know, how do you put it? My answer without answering it. So as you guys probably know, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame never played historically, right? Once Notre Dame started with their ACC contract, it got into their schedule every couple of years. So I think they've played four times since that's occurred. I've been to three of them, two in South Bend, one at Virginia Tech. Awesome games. Very, very close. Um, But I will tell you, like, I didn't know going into that first game at Notre Dame, like, how I was going to feel, right? I was with my brother. I was with my dad. I was with my whole family. We rented a house. It was awesome. My VT friends were there. So it was, like, the best of both worlds. Once that ball was kicked off, man, I was all hokey. I was like, let's go, man, Absolutely. That's, that's Brian's a again. better man than Yeah, me. I
1: respect that a lot, right? That's that's your undergrad. That's where ultimately you chose to go, where you ended up. It's it's hard to, to root against your own school in any circumstances. Kelly's definitely an outlier in, in that equation, that's for sure. But, I mean, my question is, is you you know, getting into college sports, obviously you grew up sports fan, dad playing baseball. You said, I'm sure your family grew up, you probably grew up playing a, a lot of different sports. But ultimately, what was the drive to get into college sports? Why that industry? Where, really, what? Why did that become your focus? When did it become your focus?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, after undergrad, I moved back to northern New Jersey, worked in uh, New York, more of sports marketing and ticketing, and then kind of had that epiphany. Working in New York after a few years, I was ready to to go into college athletics. That's always been my passion, Uh, you know, having the experiences of going to game days at Notre Dame and at Virginia Tech and just kind of seeing how unique it was in the sports industry and supporting student athletes and being in a campus setting. um, Having that refresh every year too really energizes me, right? You know, college athletics corresponds with the academic calendar. So you kind of have that refresh every fall, college football starting, there's nothing like it. Summer's a little calmed down, so you can enjoy yourself a little bit. But man, once August hits, you got to ramp up and, and get ready for the year. And then like, we have winter break now, you know, so we're on the, the academic winter break, which has been really nice, And but we're in the middle of basketball season, and that's going to run right into baseball before we know it, and then it's going to be another summer. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, really enjoyable, really good for, it's a lifestyle job. I mean, we work a lot, but but you got to love what you do because you work a lot and, um, you know, make sure your family's involved and, uh, you know, it's it, it's good in that way, but. It's uh it's wild times that's for sure.
0: Brian, it's so having been a few years since we graduated, we've seen each other a couple of times since then. You came to Indy, we, we got uh, breakfast, I think it was, and, and we've you know texted, called as you've welcomed a baby to your family, I have a couple young kids of my own. So we've definitely stayed in touch, but hearing you kind of tell that story again, it's just bringing back the flashbacks, right? Because we all in the program got so used to hearing each other's stories as we're introducing ourselves to new folks and saying what we want to do. It was very clear, Kinger, from day one, what Brian wanted to do when he got to Ohio. like. He was a development guy. He was going to go to college athletics. He was going to work on campus, and he was going to go raise money for that athletic department. And it's been really cool to see Brian do that at a couple of stops, as he said earlier. Uh, now, obviously, with Vanderbilt, uh, one of the most prestigious um, academic institutions in FBS football, uh, certainly in the SEC. So, Brian, uh, well, actually, one more story on that. You mentioned, you know, you moved back to to northern or to to New Jersey, Brian. Remember that capstone trip we took to. Uh, New York our second year there and uh, we went to a restaurant it was your
2: brother-in-law right that that managed the restaurant ran the restaurant is that right that's right Chris so, Page shout out White Oak Tavern baby by NYU there it is so, a okay, king
0: if you're looking for or, and everybody listen if you're looking for a good place to go eat Go to the White Oak Tavern there. Tell them you know Brian Murphy. Uh, Trying to get maybe a drink on the Chris house or something Page, like that. I mean, Chris I mean, Page, more importantly. know Chris Page. It was an amazing time. Uh, Brian definitely showed us around uh, New York having worked there himself. Brian, back to college football. You won our regular season pick em competition. I got, And you said it was cool to see every week you were rising in the rankings. You were a fixture at the top for most of the year, and by the end of the year you were our leader there for the last two or three weeks. I got to know. Cause I mean, you beat me, you beat King, you beat more than a hundred others. How did you go about your picks every single week? I mean, it had to be more than just gut feel. I know you're a huge football fan. So what went into your process for picking games on a weekly basis in the competition?
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys are going to laugh cause you probably go way more in depth than I do. But, and again, right? Like we're all busy. Fall is the busiest time in this industry. Welcoming a newborn, uh, I didn't have a lot of time for for outside work and and, and life, but love this stuff, right? I obviously follow college football. Um, it's a big passion of mine. But really, I just looked at the matchups. I follow college football. I mean, no more than you guys do. Um, but I would pull up Vegas Insider and look at the spreads every week and just really try to be strategic in that – I didn't try and be too risky. If I picked an upset, I would rank them 1, 2, or 3. If I picked, you know, a heavy favorite, I would probably rank them 8, 9, 10 and just tried to optimize how many points I would get based on how confident I was in in picking those teams. I mean, I really didn't go too much in-depth past that. Um, Again, I just think kind of, you know, being around, like, and my wife, is she's a Clemson gal, um, so that's interesting. And We'll be
0: picking a Clemson game later tonight.
2: Yeah, in our, in our family. So we always have college football on, right? Like, that's our TV in the fall. So there's always games on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's really it. Just kind of looked at the spreads. And um, if I picked an upset, I'm not going to put that 10, 9, or 8. Uh, so it just kind of worked out. I think it was more of a steady approach, right? Like, if you look at my week over week, I don't think there was much variance, um, but I got lucky some weeks. Of course, you need to get lucky. So you're probably like, man, that – That was a terrible answer no that no no man it's not a
1: terrible answer because it worked and i mean quite frankly that sounds a little bit uh you know very similar to how i do and you're probably a little bit more strategic to not go a little bit too risky i let the emotions get involved a little bit more than i should that's a repeated topic and the theme that we've talked about a lot with me but clearly yeah
2: i'm bad with that (laughs) clearly
1: was enough to get it done this year right the champ what was it kelly you said almost 150 in the in the pool this year so uh, I, I think you know being smart about it and using your knowledge, right? It, it obviously paid off and got you here. It's it's something that Kelly and I both hope to achieve here in the near future.
2: That's, that's yeah. What I mean, I- as you can imagine, I have a lot of schools that I do not like because of rivalries. Um, you guys went to Purdue. You know, growing up, Notre Dame, Purdue. It is what it is. I don't <laughs> mind you guys these days, but. Brian, Brian, this is we hate your team. This this is we hate
0: your team. You can speak freely about the teams that you hate on this podcast. (laughs) UVA. (laughs) But no, Brian, I mean, your, your, your strategy, that is my strategy, except instead of Vegas, I'm using my numbers. I don't deviate from my numbers even when I know I should, which is something that I think in 2023 I've said it for over a year now. I think in 2023 I need to like if I know or if I just if I just feel something's not right here, like I need to make a manual adjustment here, I think I'm going to go for it next year because just blindly trusting my numbers, like you you are the case in point I cannot just blindly trust my numbers because if somebody's out there—not that you blindly trusted Vegas, but you used Vegas very strongly—and then you made your own determinations, which that's the area I lacked on—and I can't win the pool by using my numbers if I don't if I don't deviate, because if someone does what you did and use Vegas, which is better than my numbers, and we know this—that's like implicitly implied—then I will never win. And someone like you. Put out a perfect path as to how you could win a competition like this. So I respect that answer. I respect the approach. And I am going to try very, very hard next year. And it's difficult for me. It's, it's hard for me to, in a formal setting where I am putting something on the line in the terms of confidence points and a reward at the end of the year of being a guest on the podcast, like it's hard for me to deviate. I just need, I know I need to because if I want to win, I have to do that uh, because there are people out there using Vegas as their baseline, and that's just a slightly better baseline than the K-Ford rating. So, uh, bravo, congrats, we're excited for you, this is going to be an amazing episode, we're very, very pumped to have you, and uh, Brian, let's see if you can be our first ever repeat winner. Last year we said it was our friend Parker, Uh, this year it was you, we'll be looking to see in 2023 if uh, Irish Hokie24 can get back on top of the leaderboard, how about that?
2: Yeah, I don't want to emulate what Russell Wilson said because that didn't work out for him, but let's ride <laughs> oh, man. That is the
0: best segue and transition we've ever had into the pick, so we're just going to go to it right now because that cannot be top. Guys, we have 16 bowl games that we are picking tonight. In a normal week during the regular season, we pick 10. In the first two weeks of the bowl pick'em, we did 13 because that was how many games there were. We've got 16 to hit tonight, uh, six of which, of course, are the New Year's Six plus then the two semifinal games included in that number. So we have a lot of games to get to. Kinger, we're going to start with you on this one. It is quite the name. It's the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, which I do believe maybe is in New York, Brian, uh, back back in your your stomping grounds, neck of the woods. There there you go. Um, We've got Syracuse. Syracuse and Minnesota Kinger, what's Vegas think and what do you make of this game? Yeah, so
1: Minnesota's laying 10 here. They're a 10 point favorite. Over under 42. <clears throat> and to me this seems like it's on track to be a pretty low scoring affair. This is basically Syracuse, what a what a year that they've had. Basically two different seasons. They won 6 straight to start the year, 6 and 0. Then they proceeded to lose 5 straight and then they eventually did end up getting Boston College in that regular season finale to become bowl eligible. But the big thing for them here, they're going to be without all ACC running back Sean Tucker, and I think that's pretty significant for them. Uh, The whole goal of the day, though, for them really is going to be to stop the Minnesota run game. Minnesota's extremely one-dimensional. They don't really have much of a passing game. doesn't look like Tanner Morgan's coming back. Disappointing for him that he's dealt with the concussions this year. Syracuse defensive line a little bit banged up, so I don't necessarily know how well they're going to stop that Minnesota run game. I think Minnesota is going to control the line of scrimmage in this, and eventually I think they're going to wear down that that Syracuse defense, that Syracuse defensive line. Uh, not sold on what Syracuse can do on the offensive end here. So I'm going to lean Minnesota. I, I really think with a low total like that at 42, I might take Syracuse to, to get the points, but I think Minnesota is going to find a way to get it done this week.
0: Brian, you are admittedly a Yankees fan. This game is taking place in Yankee Stadium. What do you think about this bad boy mower's pinstripe bowl?
2: That's right. I mean, you go to Yankee Stadium on the facade the entire baseball season, it says Syracuse, New York's team, right? So it's like, man, Syracuse, you're playing in that stadium now. Uh, But also – Down the third baseline and down the first baseline, it has the ACC teams and the Big Ten teams as a homage to the Pinstripe Bowl. So I do love seeing Virginia Tech when I'm watching Yankee games. It's just it's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, big spread, right? I saw 10. Um, Yeah, I I agree with Zach. Minnesota, uh, I think. And, again, right, like cold weather game. It's actually going to warm up here in New York for that game in a few days. If it was a couple days ago, it would have been below freezing. But two cold-weather teams, even though Q's plays in, in the Dome. and uh, So I'm going to go Minnesota as well.
0: How many confidence points are you putting on that, Brian? 42. 42, right on. Uh, geez, about as big as we can get on that one. Uh, I'm going to join you guys. I'm taking Minnesota as well. I'm taking the Golden Gophers for 27 confidence points. King, you talked about Syracuse's great start to the year and then how it kind of tapered off. I remember I, I, I don't know if we said it on the podcast or if I said it on a radio show or I just tweeted about it, but Syracuse was, along with Kansas, the, the feel-good story of the first half of the year. And I don't want people to forget just how good of a year Syracuse had even though they had that kind of slide to end the year. You mentioned they got the win against Boston College to, to, to close things out, but they did lose a lot of games down the stretch. Syracuse still finished. Two full games more wins than expected from my realistic preseason expectations, which is 24th nationally. So they built up a huge cushion, got bowl eligible early. Like it was still a great year for Syracuse. I'm not picking them to win this game because I think Minnesota's the better team. Uh, And again, I got to give my disclaimer. My numbers do not see all of the other factors that go into bowl season. They don't see the player opt-outs. They don't see the coaching changes. They don't see the transfer portal. They don't see the various levels of motivation for both individual players and teams. I've said it on the podcast the last two weeks. I won't say it again tonight, but I had to get it out there once. My numbers don't see any of that. They see Minnesota as being the 19th best team in the country, and they see Syracuse being number 48. It's a neutral site game. Brian, you said inside the stadium it says Syracuse, New York's team. Even if I put in a couple points for home field advantage, which I'm not. Like this is a neutral site game. But even if I did, my numbers would still like Minnesota to win this game. I don't like it by as much as Vegas here. My number's about 6.5. But it's a 68% win probability for Minnesota, who also had a good year, finishing with about a half game more wins than expected. Um, so good year for both these teams. I expect Minnesota to get it done. I'm taking them with 27 confidence points. So to recap this one, we are all on Minnesota. Brian taking them for 42. I'm taking them for 27. Kinger's confidence points, uh, as has been the case the last two weeks, will be posted with the graphic when we post that on Friday. Guys, next we're going to the Cheez-It Bowl. Kinger, what does Vegas think about Oklahoma and Florida State? And then Brian, we'll start with you on this one.
1: Yeah, Florida State's a a nine-and-a-half point favorite over under 66.
2: Yeah, um, Oklahoma, right? Very, very puzzling team this year. and to zoom out a little bit, I think college football is just huge on brand and team recognition, right? So you think Oklahoma? You think they're going to be good? Uh, and that's why you see preseason rankings. I would love it. I don't know if you guys do it. I would love to see preseason rankings and where those teams end up at the end of the year because, like Miami's, you know, highly ranked every year, and they it happens. And a lot of those are teams I don't like, so I like to point it out. However, <laughs> uh, FSU, you know. They're on a hot streak right now. They um, they obviously have a nice little ranking, nine and three uh, record. I think you know uh, Norvell has it going on there, and and they've got a pretty good spread. I would say I think Oklahoma might cover, and it'll be a little closer. But I do have the Seminoles winning this one. Oklahoma also has some you know transfer portal action going on. FSU, I just saw maybe one defensive back. I don't know if he's a starter or not. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go Seminoles in this one.
0: How many confidence points, Brian? 41.
2: 41. So going right 42. under
0: the left. There we go. I love it. Uh, Brian, you'll like this. So, you mentioned Miami. Uh, of I just did this today for the radio show that I do down in South Carolina. I put together the teams. I, I'm waiting till the end of the season. So after bowl season, then I will post on Twitter the final, you know, how do teams do relative to preseason? Where is, where's their K-4 rating now versus where it was in August? And we'll do the compare-contrast and all that. But as things stand right now, Miami, the U, is dead last in terms of teams that <laughs> regressed the most this year in K-Ford rating from preseason to end of the year they fell nearly 44 points in the K-Ford rating 0 to 100 scale like that is massive it is by far the worst Boston College another ACC team number 2 on that list for reference they fell 33 points so Miami by far the biggest underachiever with regard to K-Ford rating this year as it goes for their uh, one of their chief rivals in Florida State Phenomenal year for Florida State. This is a team that had 2.3 more wins than I expected. That's number 18 nationally. They finished the year number 12 in my power ratings. Like Norvell got things figured out this year. And I think the future, we'll we'll see. They have to be able to continue this momentum forward. They have to be able to close on a good recruiting class here in 2023, get a start on the 2024 class. But, guys, it's it's the best that it's been in Tallahassee since – Jameis Winston lifted a trophy, and Jimbo Fisher was still the head coach, and things were still rosy, like before everything went south for him in his final year or two. This is the best that's been there in nearly a decade. Seminole fans should be very excited. King, we are going to have Bud Elliott on the podcast at some point during this summer. I've already confirmed it with them. He's a huge Florida State guy. I'm very much looking forward to hearing his take on Florida State, the progress they made this year, and how he projects Florida State to be moving forward uh, into 2023. Flipping around, guys, Oklahoma, uh, Brian, you said it. it, is very much a brand game. Uh, college football is, is all about the brands and the logos. You mentioned preseason rankings. Preseason rankings are worthless, in my opinion. Preseason ratings, that gives us a starting point. I think that there's enough math and logic that goes into those. I mean, Vegas power rates teams, that's how they generate spreads in Week 0, Week 1, Week 2. So I think that's okay. But nobody's played any games in Week 1. We shouldn't have any rankings going into Week 1. It makes absolutely no sense. Nobody has anything on the resume. All that aside, Oklahoma – Fell flat on their face this year, guys. They finished with three fewer wins than I expected. That's number nine worst nationally in the entire country. Uh, They're still power-rated number 21. Like, this is still a good football team by my numbers. But the bar was set very high at Oklahoma before Lincoln Riley left. Brent Venables comes in. I'm not going to kill him. It's his first year there. And and I know we've seen Sonny Dykes. We've seen Lincoln Riley have great success in year one. We've talked about that before. But I'm not going to kill a guy who comes in and underachieves relative to the expectations when it's his first year. He's going to be fine. Oklahoma's going to be fine, at least until they transition to the SEC. I think then it gets a little dicey because now you're not the bully on the block. Now you're just one of one of the guys, in my opinion. So we'll see how Oklahoma does when that time comes. But for as long as they're in the Big 12, they're going to be absolutely fine. I am taking Florida State in this game, guys. I'm taking them with 22 confidence points. I think I mentioned it's a 64% chance to win this game outright for the Seminoles. So I'm on Florida State as well. King?
1: Yeah, I'll just start just echoing a couple of the comments you guys made there. I have probably made a few comments about Mike Norvell and some of his decision-making that was probably not warranted now looking back. I mean, he did have a few games last year and early in this season where maybe you questioned some of his coaching ability. But I think the criticism that I – was giving him was maybe a little bit too harsh because I agree absolutely he's got Tallahassee he's got Florida State in the best position that they've been in some time you know bouncing back off that three-game losing streak earlier in the season they won five straight including the in-state rivalries which we know how important those are for the Florida schools this is a team that absolutely will be back to national relevance here next year right Jordan Travis coming back good recruiting class coming in I think what Mike Norvell is doing down there is taking this program and it is bringing that life back to it which has been some, ta- some time he deserves a credit here and i mean you look at oklahoma they are pretty down bad right now they're down some significant pieces here Eric Gray, their workhorse running back, will be out, as well as both their starting tackles. Florida State relatively healthy, and they've got pretty much their full squad here. So they've got a few opt-outs, but there is a reason why this is a 10-point spread here. I like Jordan Travis. He's playing. I expect them to move the ball against this Oklahoma defense that was ranked last in the Big 12. It really did not show all that much this year at all. I really think there's an opportunity for that Florida State run game here. And basically, it comes down to Oklahoma. They're going to need a big game from Dylan Gabriel, right? Without their starting tackles, Florida State got good news. Jared Verse. He's going to be an edge register in the NFL next year. I think that this sets up good for that Florida State defense, and quite frankly, I, I, I see a route in which Florida State runs away with this. So I think Oklahoma season is going to end on a sour note. Again, Brent Venables, will wait and see what happens with him going forward. I'm not, I'm not ready to judge him or, or jump ship on him just yet, but I am taking Florida State in this game, and I think they win it with ease.
0: I forgot to mention, guys, so I, for all the bowl games, produced a projected game grade on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, 99 theoretical max. This game, number six on that list with a game score of 90. I am very much looking forward to this game. All the opt-outs and all the other things aside, this should be an absolutely phenomenal game. To recap it, we are all on Florida State. Brian taking the Seminoles for 41. I'm on the Seminoles for 22. I'll take this next game first, guys, but Kinger, what's Vegas think about the Valero Alamo Bowl? We have Texas and Washington.
1: Texas is a three and a half point favorite over under 67.
0: So this game, I just talked about Florida State Oklahoma being number six on my bowl game uh, ranking list. This game comes in at number eight. Guys, I'm very excited about this game. These are two teams, Texas... A lot of people killed Texas this year, said. I mean, they finished year number 20, I I believe it was, in the CFP rankings. But, you know, preseason expectations. It's Sark's second year. What are we going to see here? They kind of quit on him last year a little bit. There were some Big 12 goals. There were some CFP talks with Quinn Ewers. Is he going to maybe be a Heisman contender? Of course, he gets hurt in the Alabama game, and, and, and then they lose a couple other close games, Texas Tech in overtime. Texas had exactly the year I thought. They finished with 0.1 fewer wins than I expected coming into the year. So Texas had the exact year I thought. They finished the year number six in my power ratings. I took crap from a lot of people all year about having Texas power rated that high. I maintain this was a very, very good team that lost a couple of close games that maybe they shouldn't have, or maybe they were unlucky to lose. And that's the way it goes. That's college football for you. But I think this is a very, very high quality football team. Washington, on the other hand, one of the surprises of the year for me. I think what Kalen DeBoer has done there in a very short time, and this is his first year, what he's done in Seattle is incredible. I have Washington power-rated 23 right now, 2.7 more wins than expected. That's number 11 nationally. I am pumped for this game. Two very high-quality teams. I know Washington is the higher-ranked team, as they should be, based on their merit and what they've achieved. But in terms of power ratings, again, all those other factors, opt-outs, all that aside... I'm taking Texas in this game. I'm taking them with 36 confidence points because I actually think there's a 75% chance Texas wins this game if both these teams are full strength. We know that's not the case, but that's what we're rolling with. Uh, Zach, what about you, Texas-Washington?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on Texas. I don't quite know that I'm going to be that confident on it, but this is definitely one of the more appealing bowl games in my opinion. I think this is going to be a fun game. I am absolutely looking forward to it. And Really, I think the story here and where everybody needs to be focused, right or the big story of the game is, is on this Texas side, And a lot of eyes are going to be on Quinn Ewers in this game because this is a big opportunity for him. He was very up and down this year. He showed flashes being great. But there were also some stretches of football that were very head-scratching in which he really died out or that offense really died out in a lot of cases. You got Arch Manning looming. You're down your top two running backs. Bijan Robinson included in that, who was clearly the best back in college football this year. I think that Ewers is likely going to be QB1 next year, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, and I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of put his foot on, solidify that he's going to be the day one starter next year for Texas. And with Xavier Worthy playing, (coughs) still a pretty sound offensive line there for Texas. I expect the opportunities to be there versus Washington secondary that was dead last in the Pac-12, 85th nationally in explosive plays allowed. They need Quinn Ewers to play well, and again, the opportunity should be there for him this week. And on the other side, I think Washington, I expect Washington, this offense to move the ball as well. This team led the nation in passing and third down conversions. Texas defense has been very strong, had some strong performances, very strong against the run. Uh, But they'll be without Demarion Overshown, and that secondary has shown that they have had some holes this year. That over 67 is intriguing to me. I like this Washington offense. I like Washington as a dog getting three and a half here. I really think it comes down to Ewers. I think Penix is going to be successful. He's a dark horse Heisman candidate. That's a different conversation for next year. I think Washington puts up 30 easily in this game, and it's can Ewers compete with that. I don't think this Washington defense is good enough to stop him. So I'm going to take the Longhorns to just barely squeeze it out this week.
0: Kinger, I have a feeling we will be talking on numerous occasions during the 2023 season about yours and Manning. Who's starting? Who should be starting? Where's the pressure? When did they make the switch, if at all? A lot of DJU, Klubnik
1: from Clemson this year. I think we're going to be in a lot of that next year, that's for sure.
0: A hundred percent, Dabo did not make the switch until... I think we'd all agree it was too late this year. We'll see what happens with Sark next year. Who knows? Maybe Ewers comes out and just wins the job uh, over the summer and keeps it all year. We have no idea how it's going to play out. I'm just saying we're going to be talking about that one quite a bit in 2023, I'm sure. For this game, Brian, who are you liking as we finish out twenty twenty
2: two? Yeah, I mean, it's the Alamo Bowl, right? So you know it's going to be insane because they always seem to be. Uh, side note, so one of my first – Jobs, one of my first clients was the San Antonio Talons, yes. Arena Football League startup team. I think they lasted two years, so I had the uh, distinct pleasure of visiting San Antonio. And uh, man, the Alamo Dome is just awesome. If you haven't been, and I know it's UTSA's home stadium, they don't really have another football team, but it, it should be on your bucket list because it's a pretty neat venue. Um, you know, we've had some classics in the past. Guys, Irish Hokies going against you here. I'm going okay. with the Huskies, yeah. I, I can am. see that
1: route there, Brian. Uh, I really can.
2: You know, I and a lot of your points, Zach, I I think you hit on very well, so I'm not going to repeat those. But, um, you know, uh, Penix has, has been doing an amazing job. He's putting up insane numbers. Pac-12, I, I think they had a lot of overrated teams this year, but I don't know. We'll see. Texas, again, Everyone says they're back every year. Are they really back? Eight and four. I know they lost a lot of close games. Um, but, yeah, I just think – and, you know, Washington has won their last six games. I think that's pretty big for momentum. I know Texas has a lot of a lot of portal activity as well. So, um, again, I'm kind of see it – I'll see it when I believe it with Texas. I, I don't – I like Texas. I think it's awesome. Uh, Hook them horns, if you've ever been there. That's a heck of a place, but – Uh, I think Washington might have a chip on their shoulder, right? Again, you go back to the Brands thing, everyone's going to be on Texas. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I agree. I think it's going to be a phenomenal Alamo Bowl game and and live up to the the expectations there.
0: How many confidence points on the Huskies, Brian?
2: Nah, well, you should know my strategy now. So I went lower. I went with 28 there.
0: There we go. I love it. (laughs) Um, Brian, Brian, I'm I'm with you. You said there were a lot of Pac-12 teams that were overrated this year. I'll differentiate. I I said it every single week. Every single time the committee put out a new top 25, I almost had a a draft tweet ready to go. The committee's love for the Pac-12 continues. Every single week, the teams that they had from the Pac-12 were overranked by my most deserving resume rankings. By multiple spots. I mean, it was just, it was insane. You could count on it every week. The committee just loved the Pac-12, highlighted by USC being at number four going the conference championship weekend, which uh, we won't spend time on it, but what an absolute joke. And uh, we were spared uh, a great injustice of USC being in the playoff. That just would have been an absolute nightmare for sure for a team that did not deserve to be there. Uh, yeah, as a as, yeah, as an Irish fan, I'm sure no love lost there with uh, USC for you, Brian. To recap this one, we have our first disagreement. Kinger and I both on Texas. I'm taking the Longhorns for 36, and after listening to the commentary from the guys, I'm thinking that's probably way too high. And Brian is taking the Huskies from Washington. He's taking them for 28. Zach, we're going to start with you on this one. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We have Maryland in NC State. What does Vegas think, and what does
1: Kinger think? Yeah, NC State's a one-point favorite, over under 46. So Maryland is going to be without three of their four stud-wide receivers who all opted out for the NFL draft. They still got Talia at the quarterback, but this offense is a little bit spotty this year. They had some good games, but uh, consistency-wise was something that they missed a little bit this year. They also lost starting tight end C.J. Dipre. He just committed to Alabama. So I think this could be a challenge offensively for the Terps. This NC State defense has continued to be sound this year. That's their strength. So I think NC State's going to be able to limit what Maryland's able to do on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, on the other side, in NC State, I'm also interested to see what they're able to do on the offensive side of the ball. The QB situation has been a problem for them without Devin Leary. They're now onto their fourth string QB, and quite frankly, I mean, it has been pretty rough for most of the season. They just lost their offensive coordinator, Tim Beck. He just took the Coastal Carolina job, so there will be a new play caller in this game. My head tells me that Maryland seems like the play, but NC State is looking to be close to full strength, specifically on the defense, and I like that. This team was 11th nationally against the run. They're great on third down. They got a bunch of guys that can get pressure on the QB. That defense has kept them in a lot of games this year. They've been in these grinded out ugly football games. That's what I anticipate this being. So I think North Carolina State's going to find a way to get, get it done. I'm not overly confident in this one, but I am taking NC State.
0: This is a game I don't really know what to make of. Um, I'm going to take Maryland, not with a lot of confidence points, but I am going to roll with the Terps for six here. Both these teams finished with within a game of my preseason expectations. NC State was a team that was like a CFP dark horse for a lot in the preseason, King. I think you and I both kind of said, hey, pump the brakes on that. We're not quite sure. They still finished uh, just about a half game under what I expected in terms of win totals for this year. So I would say you could call it a disappointing season for NC State. Maryland, I think, you know, People, their fans have to be happy. I, I would think, I mean, at the very least, satisfied with the year that they had. Uh, I've got Maryland power rated number thirty-three, NC State number forty-two. Give me Maryland in this game, King. What I like about this game, I hope they still do it. They doused the winning coach. Yes, both uh, agreed. So
1: we will be getting a mayo bath again this go. year. So, so so
0: we're we're getting a mayo bath. That's always one of the. Uh, the the best pictures of bowl season when you, when you get that still of the winning coach getting doused in Mayo. It's a great tradition that we have every year in bowl season. So give me Maryland. I'm taking them with six confidence points. Brian, we need you to break the tie.
2: You make a great point with the Mayo bowl. And uh, I saw NC state post a picture. I don't know. It was on Twitter or something. It was a happy holidays. And it had a Duke's Mayo bowl tree, if you will. So a stack from like five wide to one wide with Christmas lights. I'm like that's that's genius. However, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them because of a picture. Uh, so I'm going with Maryland as well. This just seems like a dumpster fire of a game. These two teams, not much interest here. Now, with my hokey connection, I was still somewhat optimistic of their season back on Thursday, October 27th, when they went into uh, Carter Finley and pretty much dominated the game and NC state had one of the worst offenses I've seen in recent history, given their quarterback issues. That was uh Morris at quarterback, but they were kind of switching between two. Honestly, ever since I watched that game, I, I can't pick them. I mean, it was, it was awful. And of course, Virginia tech blew it, but that's for another day. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Maryland on this one. And again, I think just NC state's offense won't be able to get it done. And you got to give credit to uh to Tua Jr there. He can he can put up some points.
0: Tua Jr, I love it. How many confidence points are you putting on Tua Jr and the Terrapins? 30, 30 yes sir. Uh to recap this one, uh, Brian and I both on Maryland Brian for 30. I'm taking the Terps for 6. Kinger taking the Wolfpack from NC State. Uh, King, I'll take this next one first. It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, we've got Pitt against UCLA. Uh, I've got things to say about these teams. What does Vegas think?
1: UCLA is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over under 53.
0: So for me, King talked about both these teams in the preseason on um, our Power 5 conference preview episode. UCLA was a team that I mentioned had a really easy schedule. The easiest schedule of all the Power 5 teams. A team that I thought would be there in the end in that mix for a Pac-12 championship game berth. Not because of the overall quality of the team, but because of the schedule that they faced. UCLA did surprise me pleasantly this year. They were a team that I think overachieved and played better than I expected coming into the year. 0.8 more wins than expected. On the flip side of that, we talked about the Pac-12 being overranked by my numbers relative to the committees. They finished the year ranked number 18. My most deserving had them at number 25. I think my numbers, again, objectively speaking, really dinged UCLA for that schedule that they played, whereas maybe the committee didn't. That's neither here nor there. It didn't end up mattering in the end. But I think that perception of, we have we have five ranked teams in the Pac-12, you do... But it's not like when you're in the Big 12 and everybody plays everybody. There's only so many conference wins to go around. If you play a week non-conference, which we saw a couple teams in the Pac-12 do, you can rack up those wins. I think it's really important to put those into context when we're ranking them. But that's kind of going down a tangent. For Pittsburgh, this was a team king that I was disappointed in. I picked them to win the coastal. Uh, I think they did end up finishing second, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But obviously, North Carolina won that division. I really thought Miami was the was the preseason pick for a lot of folks, and they were the popular pick. And I had Miami number two, I believe, in the conference. But I thought Pitt, even though they had lost Kenny Pickett, they had lost uh, Addison, they had lost so many pieces from the team that went to the ACC that won the ACC championship the year before. I thought they'd come back and repeat as Coastal Division champs. They finished with one fewer win than I expected. Still power-rated 35, so this is still a respectable team. Again, we're talking about Pittsburgh here. They're not a world-beater in the college football hierarchy, so a season that they can ultimately look back on in the future and still be proud of, but I think in the moment, they left something to be desired from what we expected out of this team. I am gonna take UCLA. I haven't power rated 29, Pittsburgh 35, as I said. So give me the Bruins, and I'm gonna take him for seven confidence points. Brian, what about you?
2: I agree with you. I'm going Bruins. Um, you know, I think Pitt not having Slovis is gonna hurt their offense. Um, you know, UCLA, DTR, Charbonnet, Bobo, it sounds like a, a vineyard over there of of players that that get it done. Um and they can put up points, as you know. Um, Pitt, just I got bias against them. I'm not going to lie, so I'm not going to pick them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And UCLA surprised me. I didn't think they'd be any good going into this season. Again, Pac-12 bias, whatever you want to call it. Beat some top 15 teams, lost to some, some top 10 teams. So I think it's fair to say they should beat a, uh, a Pittsburgh team
1: kinger what about you yeah I, I just want to say that one of the games that still ponders me this year that was one of those that we could have a completely different outlook be sitting here is, is if ucla had not lost that game to arizona they would have been the back 12 championship game would have been in a much more significant bowl game they were right there on the season i was with you kelly on ucla but instead they're getting pittsburgh here who is going to be down about half their team here in the sun bowl so Offensively for Pittsburgh, Keaton Slovis is out, so it's likely going to be Nick Paddy. He did have some experience in that bowl game versus Michigan State last year, which had that wild finish. They're down there starting running back Izzy Abanakana, as well as both starting tackles, defense as well. They're down there All-American, Kalaja both starting DN starting inside linebacker, and starting safety. Brian mentioned it. UCLA is basically full strength. They got their dogs set to go. So I think UCLA is really going to be able to score it well, especially with that Pitt D-line being so banged up. These guys were great against the run this year. That's really where their strength was. So I don't think the Pitt defense is – they've got the depth there to really – stop UCLA consistently. And I mean, with the quarterback side, I think Nick Patty, if he does play for Pitt, I think he is a competent QB. They do have a lot of depth in that running back room. The UCLA, UCLA defense was solid, but they did have a few pretty poor performances this year where they got worked up front. But I think UCLA is the better team. They're more talented here. So I think they get the job done this week.
0: Brian, I think I missed it. How many confidence points are you putting on the Bruins? I got them at 38. All right, so to recap this one, we are all taking UCLA. Brian for 38, I'm on the Bruins for 7. Brian, we're going to start with you on this next one. It's one that we know you are excited about. It is the Tax tax, Slater, Gator, tax Slayer Gator Bowl. It is your Notre Dame Fighting Irish versus South Carolina. King,
2: what's Vegas think of this? And then we'll kick it to Brian.
1: Notre Dame's a 2.5 point favorite, over under
2: 51.5. Yeah, appreciate it. Um this is tough, right? And I've been talking to my Notre Dame family and, and kind of fans about this. Um, and I'd, I'd like to start at the USC game. I think the game plan going into that game for Notre Dame was not optimal for uh, their group. Now, you don't want Drew Pine throwing that many passes. Granted, Drew Pine will not be in this game. So I think if they focused on the run game, uh, that USC game would have looked a little different. I think they had... Man, I don't know, under twenty rushing attempts for ninety yards when, you know, they, they could have had a lot more success, I think, in the run game. So again, I think with a new quarterback, Buckner, we know cannot pass the ball. Uh, those first two losses to start the season were brutal. I saw him play Virginia Tech and come in and he couldn't he couldn't pass. He was just a running quarterback. All that being said, you know, I think if Notre Dame can control the clock, run the ball, they have a good chance of winning this game. Granted, they're going to miss Mayer, their top target as well, which is going to hurt, um, along with a number of different defensive players. Now, South Carolina, sure, they had those two massive wins to end the season. They're coming in hot and cocky. Shane Beamer thinking he's Frank Beamer. He ain't there yet. But, uh, you know, I got to go with the Irish. I I think uh, this is a big game. I was at the Gator Bowl I think it was the Gator Bowl it was in Orlando it might have been the other Orlando game against Outback, Bowl. Outback Bowl yeah when we were in grad school I went down there um, maybe, that, maybe
0: that was in Tampa I don't know I get them all mixed up
2: no there was one in Orlando I went to um, but there was a wide receiver on Notre Dame his name I can't think of right now who made oh Boykin remember Boyk book to Boykin uh, to win that game I think this will be very similar I think it's going to take one massive play in the last couple minutes to, to determine the contest. But uh, yeah, I'm surrounded by Notre Dame stuff on the walls here in my parents' basement. So if I want to sleep good tonight, I, I can't go against the Irish. So give me the Irish. I got 33 confidence points.
0: And for the record, Brian in his parents' basement for the holidays. He is not, yeah. taking, up, not taking up residence in his parents' basement. Don't you all worry <laughs> out there for our friend yeah, Brian.
2: Appreciate yeah. it. Life They're, isn't that bad. Right? We're, we're, <laughs>
0: We're just looking out for you there, Brian. Kinger, what do you think about uh, Notre Dame and South Carolina?
1: Yeah, he said it. Buckton can't throw the ball. But ultimately, I do think that this is probably best case scenario for Notre Dame, that he is looking like he is going to start this game. I mean, they've got some issues on the offensive side. Michael Mayer being gone is is going to be a problem for them. He was far and away their most important player on offense. Defense is, they're down the starting right tackle. Defense is taking a little bit of a major hit as well. Isaiah Foskey opting out uh south carolina though not without their own opt-outs their their running back marshawn lloyd is out their lead wide receiver josh Van is out during injury their best cornerbacks out ultimately notre dame just needs to do what they do best here and that's run the ball they found a groove that second half of the season south carolina is really going to load up and, and try and sell out to stop the run if they can get some solid qb play from buckner i really like the irish to be able to control that line of scrimmage right he's got to have to make a throw or two when the time comes On the other side, Rattler is going to be playing for South Carolina. He did finish the year on a high note. I do think South Carolina has some confidence. They've got some momentum. But even though Notre Dame defense maybe not going to get quite the pressure that they would have had, maybe not quite as strong, I still think they're physical enough up front to neutralize this run game. I don't know that Rattler is going to be, you know, going to make the necessary throws when the time comes to win this game. So uh, South Carolina is going to be fired up. But I'm still leaning Irish here as well. Not overly confident, but I think they get it done.
0: Guys, I do a weekly radio show in South Carolina with my friend Mark Ryan, and uh, I had to eat it a little bit by the end of the year. Brian, you mentioned those two great wins to end the year for South Carolina. In the preseason, their fans were thinking eight wins. like That was what was expected for what they had coming back. They were all excited. You you mentioned uh, Shane Beamer really getting things going there. He thinks he's Frank Beamer. I I like that line. He's not there yet. Um, But, yeah, he's done a lot for South Carolina in a short amount of time. I only gave them, I think it was like an 8 or 9% chance to reach 8 wins this year. They got to 8 wins. They were one of the better teams uh, with regard to preseason realistic expectations. Nearly two more wins than I expected coming into this year. So, a great season for South Carolina. I still have them power-rated 44, which is not as high as what a lot of South Carolina fans would like to see. But it was a phenomenal year. They accomplished a lot. And I do think Shane Beamer, King, at some point we'll have to do an off-season segment on um, – coaches that we like dislike whatever something about Shane Beamer man I'm not sold I'm just I, I don't know what it is I have to think more about it and collect my thoughts for a deeper conversation but he did a great job this year I am not sold on him long term I just don't know if his motivational tactics work year in year out but we will see time will tell for Notre Dame Brian, I'm sorry to tell you, I think it was a disappointing year for the Irish. Uh, I I know you you probably agree, 1.1 fewer wins than expected. Still finished the year power-rated 18. I took some some crap for having Notre Dame power-rated in my top 25 really all year, even after the loss to Marshall and everybody's dropped them way out of their top 25s of everything. Sure, if you're ranking teams, but in terms of power rating, this was still a good Notre Dame team. Top 20 nationally is respectable for Marcus Freeman in his first year. I'm excited about the future of Freeman and that Notre Dame team. I think he's going to do well there. Um, I think it was a good year for them. I'm taking Notre Dame in this game. Like I said, power rate of 18, South Carolina 44. Give me Notre Dame. I'm taking them for 25 confidence points. Before we recap it, Brian, I want to ask you and King or Hop in too if you want. Um, News today. We're recording on Tuesday. Sam Hartman jumping in the portal. Likely landing spot, as it's being reported, is Notre Dame. Brian, how are you feeling if Sam Hartman is QB1 for Notre Dame next year? You have to like that, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic news for, for Notre Dame. Um, you know, being an ACC guy and watching Sam Hartman develop, and I think he was a four-year starter at Wake, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. but Yeah, he's been there for five years, and I think he started four. Yeah, weeks. ACC passing yeah, record, I mean, that touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that kid can play. And, again, Notre Dame has no one at quarterback, right? But, caveat, they need wide receivers. And I think if you look at their recruiting class that came in, highly ranked, Freeman's doing a great job. Um, They'll get more consistent, right? I mean, those first two games Buckner was starting, you look at Pine, once he started, they won every game. The Stanford game was was terrible loss, but up until USC. Um, So I think, you know, getting a veteran, if you want to call it that, uh, but hopefully they have some wide receivers that will – kind of help him out, and losing Mayer is going to be detrimental to to the offense, but yeah, I mean, Notre Dame fans should be thrilled about that. They don't have to worry about a quarterback competition and who's going to step up for the next eight months, you know?
0: Yep. No, I think, if true, I think that would be a great get for Notre Dame. Final question on the Irish for you, Brian. Marcus Freeman, you excited about the future under Freeman? I've already given my thoughts. You think he's, you think he's going to be good for the program and good for the Irish moving forward?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've heard nothing but good things about Coach Freeman. I think he's a breath of fresh and kind of swaggy air that Notre Dame needed. Um, You know, Brian Kelly, and we'll talk about LSU soon here, but he exceeded my expectations at LSU, and he's won everywhere he's been. But I think getting a Freeman, especially in this day and age of recruiting, listen, you guys know, I mean, you're, you're Indiana guys, you're Chicago guys, South Bend isn't the most attractive place to go, Um, but he's got to make it attractive. It has a a huge, you know, uh, selling point with with the academic piece and just the tradition and history of Notre Dame football and their alumni network. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, and again, people forget he's a first-year head coach. He's young. He's in his young 40s. He had to open the season at his alma mater in a primetime game and played them really freaking well. So obviously the Marshall game was what it was, right? Dropped the Stanford game. So um, all in on, you know, I don't think they could be too upset about year one. But this bowl game will have some good momentum um, heading into year two. Well, there you have it,
0: Irish fans. The future is bright, according to Irish Hokie 24 I tend to agree with him on those topics. To recap this game, we are all on Notre Dame. Brian taking the Irish for 33. I'm taking the Irish for 25. Brian, we're going to start with you again on this. We don't usually go back-to-back, same same first up, but we have to because it's the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, and we have the Ohio University Bobcats taking on Wyoming. Kinger, what's Vegas think about this game? And then, Brian, we'll come back to you. Ohio's
1: a two-point favorite over under 42.
2: Oh, you oh, yeah. I, uh, I'll i be honest, don't know much about Wyoming. Ohio, I watched a little bit of action. Now, is, is Nathan Rourke playing or not? He
1: is game? not. He's injured. So, it's going to be uh, C.J. Harris again. Yeah. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Rourke had him rolling, right, since early October. Up until the MAC Championship, and then you kind of saw uh, the drop off. Um, but I'm gonna go with the Bobcats. It's it's a close spread there. I think it'll be a really close game. Whatever shenanigans that Barstool Sports might have at, at this game, I think Ohio's culture and Athens and Court Street fit that brand really well. Um, so, going to be hard to go against them and, and go with with the Cowboys. So. Give me Ohio, give me 32 points on that.
0: Athens freaking Ohio, yes sir. Uh, guys, this game, it, it it's kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in tonight's slate. So a 41 FBS versus FBS Bowl game, not counting the National Championship game, since we don't uh, know who's playing in that yet, and not counting the Celebration Bowl since it's not FBS. This game ranks 38 on my game score chart on a, at a 41 game. So not a high quality, um, highly competitive game here. Ohio power rated 91, Wyoming 102. That said, these are two teams whose fan bases should be thrilled with the years they had. Ohio, 3.8 more wins than expected. That's number four nationally. Just an incredible job there in Athens this year for that team. Wyoming, not far behind. 2.1 more wins than expected. That's number 20 nationally. So, King, are we talking about last week just the celebration that is bowl season for these teams that, that, that are not used to getting there year in, year out? I'm not, I'm not saying Ohio and Wyoming aren't going to bowl games on a somewhat regular basis. But they've had phenomenal years this year. I don't think either of their fan bases maybe expected them to have these types of years. So um, something to be celebrated for sure. I'm taking Ohio and what I don't expect to be the best game of the bowl season. But it is a bowl game. We will be tuned in. It's going to be great. I got Ohio, and I'm taking them for 18
2: confidence points.
1: King, what about you? Yeah, Brian said it. <clears throat> no Curtis work for Ohio. So C.J. Harris. Definitely a step back at the quarterback position for them. Now, Wyoming on the other side, they're down four running backs in this game. They've lost some of the transfer and injury. They have no idea who's going to be suiting up in the backfield for them. Uh, They are also out. Their top wide receiver target, Josh Cobbs, as well. So, Wyoming, you know their game. They like to play defense, run the ball, grind you down. Mike Peasley, though, this week, their quarterback, I think the opportunities are going to be there for him to throw this week. Ohio, second to last nationally in pass defense. I think that secondary has been very poor this year, and although Wyoming isn't necessarily a team that's going to air you out, they do throw it decently well. Peasley is suitable, has a little bit of dual threat in him, and I think they're going to be able to move the ball on that Ohio defense. Again, we'll see what C.J. Harris does, that Wyoming defense up front. Again, they've been pretty sound this year. He limits them in the passing game, but he is able to get some things going with his legs. So this is a toss-up. I don't really know what we're going to be getting on the field here either, but I'm going to take Wyoming as a dog. I'm going to to go against you guys here. So give me the Cowboys to squeak this one out.
0: All right, so to recap this one, Brian and I taking our graduate school alma mater, Ohio University. Brian for 32. I'm on the Bobcats for 18. Kinger going against us and taking Wyoming. This next game, guys, it's the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. We've got Iowa and Kentucky. I know there's been a lot of talk about this game on social media as being maybe. Uh, just
1: gross. Yeah. Just it's absolutely gross yeah, just, is just, what this is.
0: I don't know how else to say it. Gross is the word, King. What does Vegas think? And then I'll take this one first. I was
1: a two point favorite over under 31.
0: Over under 31.
2: I th- pretty so sure I'm pretty sure
1: that's the lowest ever. I'm pretty sure that's the lowest total ever in, a, in college football.
2: I dare anyone to talk about this game and not mention the under. You will not find it. Absolutely not. So th-
0: it, it's it got Army-Navy Navy vibes with it when it comes to the under on this game. I mean, 31, that's lower than what Army-Navy closed at, I do believe. I think like, they closed like, at 32. Is, yeah, so this this game, under that, in a bowl season, no less, where actually you would think points are flying more times than not. Um, yeah. I, Both these teams slightly underachieved this year. Iowa was on the doorstep of the Big Ten Championship game. Kentucky, a team that some people picked to be kind of sleepers in the SEC East. Not really to challenge Georgia, but if Georgia were to slip up, could it be in Lexington this year was kind of the talk in August. Certainly did not happen, although Kentucky did play Georgia relatively well. um, If you look at how Georgia did against their other opponents this year, Kentucky's power-rated 36 for me. Iowa's power-rated 37, guys. Neck and neck. It's as close as it can be. I am going to take Kentucky in this game. I don't know what to make of it. Opt outs abound here. Um, I'm going Kentucky, and I'm taking them for two confidence points. Brian, what do you make of this game?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm um, again, like, it's all about the over under in this game. Um, in my backyard there, Music City, I think Big Blue Nation will show up like they do for the SEC basketball. Championship every year or tournament every year, which is unfortunate. But anyway, um, let's see some Hawkeye fans there in Music City. I know they can turn up at the honky-tonk, so we'll, we'll welcome that. But I'm going with Iowa in this one. Uh, I just think Kentucky, I think I heard a stat. It was over 70% of their offensive production were from the quarterback and, and the running back, right, who won't be playing in this game. Uh, Kentucky was one of those teams – very highly perceived early in the season, the first half. Got ranked really high. And then uh, I think that Ole Miss game and that fumble that would have won that game at Ole Miss. by uh, I think it was by Rodriguez there. Uh, that kind of changed the direction of their season. And the Commodores got him in, in a good game in November in the snow. So, uh, yeah, I think... Iowa again, just going to grind it out. Kentucky, not really sure what they're going to do on offense. And um, I got, I got the Hawkeyes at uh, 31 confidence points.
0: You going to this game, Brian? Being in your backyard? I'm not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kinger, we
0: need you to break the tie for us.
1: Unless you are an Iowa or Kentucky alumni, there's no way you should be sitting out and watching this football game. It's just. It's just going to be a lot of non-competence out there. We know the Iowa offense is non-competent. They're down to their third string QB. And actually, I mean, Iowa fans can't even get all over him yet because this guy's never attempted a pass before. So we have no idea what we are going to get from the quarterback position with Iowa. I mean, the same thing is applied to Kentucky. Brian said it, 70% of projections projection is gone. No Will Levis, no Cafassier Smoke, no Chris Rodriguez Jr. I'm going to take the team that has the better defense here, and that's Iowa. Most of their starters are going to be playing, Riley Moss included. Uh, I think their D-line is going to be a full go. So I'm going to bet on that team that I know that they've got a good defense. That That's, that's something that can be said about Iowa. I think they find a way to get this done, 13-9, 16-9, something ugly like that. That under probably will hit, but I am taking the Hawkeyes in this game.
0: All right, so it's my turn to be on the island here to recap this one. Brian and King are both on Iowa Brian for 31 points. I am taking Kentucky
2: for 2. What if it's an points. offensive explosion? Like, can you just imagine? Twitter will go nuts. If Iowa game.
1: fans will lose their like, mind. I, who, yeah, if whoever starts comes out and throws for like 302 touchdowns no picks, something like that. Actually, I want to root for that. That's a great scenario, Brian, that I hope we get cuz yeah, it will be a full a yeah, that will be a full out. meltdown. You're right about that.
2: Absolutely. Sorry to
0: cut. No, that.
1: that's great. That's a great point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that would be inc- that would be incredible, and as you said, Twitter would lose its mind, uh, which is always a fun thing to see in the college football Twitter sphere. Uh, this next game, guys, it's the I'm not sure how you say it. Rellie-a-Quest Bowl. We've got Mississippi State. Taking on Illinois, this will be Mississippi State's first game since the tragic passing of Mike Leach. I'm sure they'll be playing with heavy hearts. They are taking on an Illinois team who Kinger lost their defensive coordinator to be the head coach at Purdue in a game we'll get to here shortly. King, what's Vegas think? And then, Brian, we'll start
2: with you, Mississippi State. It's a
1: pick here over under 46.
2: yeah tough one right i mean kelly you you alluded to earlier your ratings don't factor in the humanistic uh and just kind of personnel things going on and obviously with the tragic passing of of coach leach you would hope that the bulldogs come out and play in his honor and play inspired football uh but you don't know i mean not a lot of people have gone through what they're going through in that program it it's still to this day, like I can't believe that he's he's not here and won't be on the sidelines, right? And won't be there next year and, and for many years to come. So uh you know, picking a game with, with this team in it was definitely the hardest I've the hardest game I had to pick. I think just from a football perspective, I think it's gonna be a lot harder for Mississippi State to, to compete. Um so I'm I'm gonna go with Illinois here. Again, I think Illinois had a really good year compared to what was expected. Kelly, you can say if that was correct or not due to your ratings. But, um, yeah, I mean, without going too much into it, I I think Illinois on on the gridiron will get it done. How many confidence? 29, so keeping it low. Gotcha. Uh, King Arden, yeah,
1: I got a little bit of a different running. perspective here. I am taking Mississippi State and I'm getting all over them betting this game. These guys are playing for Mike Leach, Illinois, you said without their defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. I think he's going to be missed massively in this game. I think Illinois fans is going to see really how much he meant to that program. I think it's going to I think it's going to do a lot to hurt that Illinois defense. Uh, a little sarcasm there, but I like Mississippi State. I like the hire from Zach Arnett. He kept the majority of the team together through including the signing class through these tough times. He looks like a guy that's going to keep this culture rolling. That Mike Leach started here at Mississippi State. Keep it rolling. Um, I think he's going to have the guys ready to go for this one. Illinois down, their two best players in the secondary. I think this should allow Mississippi State to execute that air raid offense a little bit more efficiently, efficiently. They're going to be down a few wide receivers as well, but I still think I like the matchup for them offensively, especially with those opt-outs in the Illinois secondary. Mississippi State defense also sound up front. Illinois relies on that run game, controlling that line of scrimmage. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that, that this well on this one. So I got a motivated Mississippi State team that absolutely is going to want to win this for their guy, Mike Leach. So I'm taking Mississippi State in this one. I think they get it done.
0: I need to break the tie here, guys. I'm going to be going with Mississippi State as well. But, Brian, what you said, Illinois had a phenomenal year. 3.3 more wins than expected. That's number seven nationally. They finished the year power rated number 20 in my power ratings. Like, these are heights that Iowa has not, or excuse me, Illinois has not seen in a long time. I think uh, what Bielem has done there, I mean, having them in the driver's seat of the uh, Big Ten West for a large portion of the season. Certainly did not see that coming in the preseason. Not something Illinois is accustomed to. So I think the future is bright at Illinois. I mean, relatively speaking, with regard to where Illinois has been, I'm not going to pick them to go win the Big Ten next year or anything, but they are trending in the right direction. I know they've lost the D.C., It's okay. Bealem is going to get them replaced. We're going to move forward. I think Illinois is in the best position they've been in in a very long time. For Mississippi State, of course, we don't know, right? King, you say they're going to come out and play for Mike Leach, Brian. You're not sure where their headspace is going to be. I tend to side with you, Zach, in terms of they're going to want to go out, play the absolute best that they can, put it on the line for Coach Leach in his memory, in his honor. We don't know. These are 18- to 22-year-old kids. They react differently to uh, traumatic events such as this. Certainly, there's no good way to go about this just horrific accident, uh, or excuse me, the the, the passing of Mike Leach. I think they're going to get it done. Mississippi State power-rated 16 for me this year. Mississippi State's biggest fault all year is the fact that they play in the SEC West. You could say that about a couple teams. Arkansas, you could say it about Ole Miss. The SEC West is just so hard. There's only so many wins to go around within that division. Mississippi State was a great team this year, even if their win-loss record didn't necessarily reflect it. They finished the year getting the win in the Egg Bowl. I expect they're going to win their bowl game here. Give me Mississippi State, a team that overachieved in their own right, not to the level of Illinois, but I'm taking the Bulldogs for 10 confidence points. So to recap this one, Kinger and I on Mississippi State, I'm taking the Bulldogs for 10. Brian taking Illinois for 29. Guys, it's our final non-New Year Six bowl game that we'll be picking tonight. King, you've been waiting. Uh, all so I don't know far. about that. Kelly. It is the Cheez It. It's the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. We've got LSU. boiler up, Purdue. boys. King, we're up. Ob- we're obviously starting with you Kinger. Uh what's Vegas think and then give us your thoughts here. So, if
1: Jesus, I'm being 100% transparent with you guys, I'm more so looking forward to Purdue Rutgers Monday night basketball than I am to Purdue LSU in this Citrus Bowl. Uh it's sad, Kelly, but it's really no longer that intriguing of a bowl game to me, and it's really unfortunate because you look at this Purdue program where we were at—you know, getting to the Music City Bowl last year with that epic game versus Tennessee—that really felt like a bowl game that meant a lot to the players, that meant a lot to the fan base. You know, they, they were looking for that signature win in a bowl game that Purdue had really lacked in some time. They play that great game, they get it done, and, and it was just something that you could tell was really meaningful and important to to Purdue. I, mean, I really can't say there's no knock on the Citrus Bowl. Again, this is a great bowl that Purdue was able to get to another successful year. But when you have the program going in a new direction, you have all the guys opt out, the best players on the Purdue football team this year have pretty much all opted out. It's tough to get up for this one. It really is. And, uh, you know, they lost a ton in the transfer portal and these opt outs. Like I said, the team's just going to look a lot different. And,. I will say, you know, with Walters being in there, you know, I saw tonight Luke Fickles coaching for Wisconsin. It's not something that you don't – the guys, the new coaches are hired. They don't hop in and coach these bowl games right away. But we've still got Brian Brom as our interim head coach. He's going to be out the door as soon as this game's over, following his brother down to Louisville. I don't really love that, if I'm being honest. I like, I like having Breeze on staff, but – I just want the old regime out. I want the new guys in, and I just want to get the the, the new uh, the the new direction head going right. I want to get it going as quick as possible, and and I just don't think Purdue has the depth to compete here with LSU without our guys. It looks like Jane Daniels is going to play. Uh, LSU might roll in this game. They're a physical team up front on that line of scrimmage. They've got their their top wide receivers going, and and specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think Purdue's twos are going to be able to hang with the LSU ones. I don't. And I'm looking forward to seeing Austin Burton at QB. He's got limited experience here. Played versus FAU. Did okay earlier this year. I still think the Purdue offense will find a way to score some points here. I really do. But uh, if we're looking long-term here, I just I don't think it's going to be bad as Purdue-Auburn in 2018. But I will say that... This, to me, screams like it could be a blowout, and I hope it's not the case for my boilers, but it just doesn't seem, I don't think these guys are going to be up for it, and quite frankly, I just don't think they have the talent to compete with LSU with these backups. The depth there is not going to be there for Purdue. So I think it's the largest spread in bowl season, all the way up to 14.5 now. I'm tempted to lay that with LSU. I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to bet against my guys in this game, but uh, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Purdue, and I'm very confident LSU wins this game.
0: Brian, what do you think?
2: yeah I'm sorry uh boilermakers there's a reason this is the biggest spread of, of of week three right I mean but hey that's when uh, crazy things happen in college football but yeah I mean you guys know a lot more than I do with with the program and team right now but I think Zach hit hit all the all the good points now it looks like Jaden Daniels is gonna play right so I think if he were not to that might make it a little more interesting but Um, I've got LSU, and I'm going top confidence, 43.
0: I'm going to join you guys on LSU. I'm going to take them for 32 confidence points here. LSU, Brian, you talked about it earlier, uh, Brian Kelly going down to LSU, and you said he did better than you expected him to do. LSU absolutely did better than I expected this year. 2.2 more wins than expected. That's number 19 in the country. Put on top of that, they lost the opening game of the season. If you recall, a neutral site game uh, in New Orleans, I want to say, to Florida State. Of course, we didn't know what Florida State would go on to become this year. A really good team in their own right. But some people, you know... Jumped on it early. You know, Brian Kelly's down here. He's faking an accent. He's making weird dancing videos with recruits. Now he's lost a game in New Orleans to a Florida State team that hasn't been very good recently. Some people were ready to cancel cancel the season for LSU after week one. Well, he turned it around, made it a great year for LSU. They go to Atlanta and play in the SEC championship game. Uh, of course, falling to Georgia, which is, I mean, that's nothing to, to put your head down about. Every single team that's played Georgia this year has walked away with a loss. So LSU in year one under Brian Kelly did everything and more than I expected, and I think I'm I'm very intrigued by LSU moving forward to see if they can continue to be a heavyweight um, in the SEC West. I don't see a reason why not. They just won the division here in year one for Purdue. Kinger, we've talked about it. They overachieved uh, my realistic expectations by about one game this year. They finished the year power rated number 40. Uh, they had gotten up into the 30s uh, at, at certain points of the year. They finished the year at number 40. They make it to Indianapolis. They lose to Michigan. Again, nothing to hang your head about. Every single team that played Michigan this year lost to Michigan. So, both these teams coming off losses in the conference championship games, but both these teams had great years. Give me LSU, power rated 13, Purdue power rated 40. I'm taking the Tigers, and I'm taking them for 32 confidence points. So, to recap this one, we are all on LSU. Brian using max points, 43. I am on the Tigers for 32. I make a quick disclaimer on my confidence points?
2: that I am yeah. only the lowest I can go is uh 28 right so he, so here's what happened because with Brian everyone, the confidence everyone's going to be won- like what he's not going <laughs> low at all he won our
0: 2022 regular season pick'em competition right we talked about it earlier it's why he's on the show this week uh Brian I got to out you did not make his way into the bull mania pickup. He said, hey, I just won. I'm washing my hands. and getting out of here. No, he just he just missed he just missed the posting, missed the invite. It's no worries. He'll be back in 23 to, to um, defend his crown. But because Brian was not in the pool, we talked before the show, we said, hey man, put all your confidence points from 28 to 43. It's gonna give you the most possible points that you can get. Because um, if you if he were to create a, a submission right now the way that they do it, I've seen others post about it. You just, you, Any games you miss, they assign them 1 point, 2 point, 3 point, all the way up until you start picking games. So he is within the, his rights to do this. We do expect he's going to have a very large score this week, but over the course of all the bowl season, Brian probably will not end up at the top, just given he only picked one-third of the games. But yes, Brian. Thank you for making uh, that that, or thank you for interjecting there, because yeah, people are going to be like, "Dang man, he used all his big points on this week." Hey, go big or go home. Brian's on the show; he's That's showing right. out, guys.
2: Week three is my week, I guess. But appreciate the thorough explanation there.
0: There you go. Just so everybody knows. Um, all right, we've got six games left, guys. It is the New Year six, so we're going to take the four non-playoff games first in chronological order, and then we will come back to the two playoff games in chronological order. So this first game. Brian, we're going to start with you because this is a team that you're very familiar with being from Tennessee. And you mentioned it, your wife, she's a Clemson girl. We've got Tennessee and Clemson in the Capital One Orange Bowl. So, Kinger, what does Vegas think about this? And then, Brian, give us your Clemson's chance, a five-and-a-half Tennessee point favorite Clemson. over
1: under 63-and-a-half.
2: Yeah, um, obviously very orange matchup here, very intriguing matchup. I think two programs that, you know, Tennessee just came out of nowhere this year. They had it rolling up until that Georgia game and then the dud at South Carolina. Um, obviously, with Hendon Hooker not being there, Hyatt not playing, uh, they don't have their their top talent, uh, their, their best production that's lit it up all year. So naturally, I think that's why you see the spread go Clemson's way. If those two were playing, I think everyone would be on Tennessee, right? Just given Clemson really has struggled to earn respect. And I think that's a product of the ACC. I think that's a product of uh, DJ Ugulele just, just not living up to what Dr. Pepper paid him in NIL money last year. Um, but you, you got Cade Clubnik man. You got the next wave of, of Clemson quarterback, great, and, uh, you know, just as Kelly alluded to, born into a, a Clemson family here, and we were at that Syracuse game where they looked terrible. I mean, DJ was getting booed. Like, no one no one in that stadium wanted DJ at quarterback. Cade came in and led that comeback against Syracuse, um, and that really derailed Syracuse's season. Now, I don't think Clemson is the Clemson of the past 10 years this year. they're They're not one of those top teams that they've had. But I do think they get it done against Tennessee. Again, I think too much talent not playing for Tennessee in this game. Clemson has been on this stage a lot. Dabo has been on this stage a lot. I think he knows what it takes to win these games. Um, And, hey, this is Cade's show, man. I mean, he had the ACC championship, and they absolutely rolled North Carolina, which was great to see because, gosh, I hate seeing North Carolina top the Coastal. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm going with the Tigers and Leslie. If if you hear me now, or you listening to me? I, I hope that gives me some some bonus points as a husband. I'm going with uh, how many cop
0: how many Thirty-four. Points. Give him those bonus points, Leslie. He earned them. He needs them. Kinger, what, what do you make of this all-orange affair in the Yeah, team? I really
1: wish we had both teams at full strength here. This would have made for a really fun football game. There's a lot of stars, a lot of NFL talents uh, in this one. Quite a big, few of them are opting out of this one. Um, and you said the club, Nick Air, is officially underway. This is a good matchup for him against this tech. It's Tennessee secondary. that They really did struggle this year. Uh, they had three or four 400-yard or games by opposing QBs. We've seen them get torched. This is uh, Clemson down a couple wide receivers there, but to me this screams like an opportunity for Clemson to really have a sound offensive performance here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Clemson go for 35 on this defense, no problem. It's the Joe Milton show, once again, for Tennessee. He's not overly accurate, but he can make plays with his speed. He's a formidable quarterback. I still think Heupel's going to have him prepared in this game and uh, – you know, Clemson defense, they let up a lot of yards this year. So I think that is a positive sign for Tennessee. Um, They are going to have the majority of their D line intact, though. So I think that's really going to be where Tennessee runs into the problem. I think they're going to struggle to get the run game going. Uh, I think they're going to need to do that to win this game. And I'm really not sure if they're going to get the production here. So I like the Clemson offensive matchup. I think the defense does enough to get it done. So I am taking the Tigers in this one as well.
0: King, you said if both these teams were at full strength, it's a game you'd be really excited about. To put it in perspective projected game ratings for all these bowl games guys number two on the entire list is where this game ranks for me again assuming full strength we know that's not the case game score of 96 number two better than one of the the semifinals and better than all the other games 96 number two overall this is a game at full strength that i would be so jacked up for i'm still excited about it. it's going to be great i'm looking at the the uh, team dashboards on my screen here for these two teams they're very similar both these teams get off to great starts to the year Each of these eight no-starts, each of these teams lose two of their final four regular season games. Now, I think the difference is for Tennessee, we didn't maybe expect them to have the year that they had and to be knocking on the door. Tennessee, 2.3 more wins than expected. That's number 16 nationally. Clemson, a team that I picked to make the college football playoff. And if not for a stubbing their toe against South Carolina, I think we'd be having a conversation on Selection Sunday about is Clemson the team that gets in to that four spot? Uh, it's something that we'll never know because they lost that game to South Carolina to end the regular season, but they're a team that was right there on the doorstep and really had the year that I expected 0.4 fewer wins than expected. So Clemson was a team that started the year power rated number four for me. They end the year power rated number 11, Tennessee, on the other hand, started the year 17. And then after week one beating ball state handily 59 to 10, they jumped up to number seven and they never dropped lower than seven, rising as high as number four in the power ratings. They end the year number five. So I know we have opt-outs. I know we have players not playing. I know we've got all this stuff going on. My numbers say Tennessee. I'm going to take Tennessee in this game. I'm going to take them for 30 confidence points in a game that, despite the opt-outs, I'm still very, very excited for. So I'm on the island here. Kinger and Brian both taking Clemson. Uh, Brian for 34 points. I am on the Volunteers, and I'm taking Tennessee for 30. King, we're coming to you first on this one because this game has ties to you all over it. It is the All-State Sugar Bowl, and we've got your favorite, the Alabama Crimson Tide, going against a team that you've got lots of ties to in its own right, Kansas State. King, what do you make of this game, and what's Vegas' thing?
1: My favorite, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're exactly right, Kelly. So, Bama's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite here, over-under 56. So, I just want to start off and say... We talked about Tank Dell last week playing for Houston, suiting up and and opting to play even though he's heading off the NFL draft. Talked about how much we love that and how to see guys, these players, still want to be there with their teammates, with their brothers, and compete for one final time in that uniform. It's impressive. That's what college football is all about. Gave him the credit. He caught that game-winning touchdown. Not a game-winning. I guess the spread-tying touchdown last week in the the game. It paid off for him. And what Bama's doing, Saban's got – Bryce Young playing. He's got Anderson playing. He's got all their other NFL guys, Malachi Moore is their starting safeties, Branch Battle. All these guys are playing, and I absolutely love that for Alabama. That's what we want to see. I love that it means something to them. And I'm going to take a quick shot at Bama fans out here. I think that this shows should show them a little something. You talk to a lot of Bama fans out there, if you would ask them if this game means anything to them, and the answer, quite frankly, is no to a lot of them. And quite frankly, I think that's a bunch of BS because that's how spoiled Bama fans have gotten here is is their expectation here is, is every year it's playoff or bust. That's not what college football is about. You're in a rare position where you have the greatest college football coach ever in Nick Saban. You're in a very unique position where Bama has been fortunate enough to basically be in the playoff every year. One year that they're not, they're still in a New Year's Six game versus the Sugar Bowl versus a good Kansas State team. I love that the Bama players are playing with this. They have a lot of respect. Hopefully, the Alabama fans will take something from this as well because, in my opinion, a lot of them don't care about this, and I think that's incredibly sad to see. So now focusing on the game here. Bama did get hit decently hard in the transfer portal this year, but when it comes to production on the field for this game, they are going to be more than okay, especially with those guys playing. Now, this K-State squad, though, they're a physical football team. They should be close to full strength as well. They're going to be ready to go, and they're going to attack this Bama defense that was absolutely not the same defense that we've seen under Nick Saban in previous years. I think K-State comes ready to play. I think they found something offensively with Will Howard. He's revitalized that passing game. They've got that dynamic back in Deuce Vaughn, and we've seen what good running teams have done to Bama this year. Bama let Tennessee, Auburn run all over them, and m ran all over them. I think K-State is going to have to be sound. They're going to have to run the ball well to win this game, and I absolutely think they can do it. And the Bama secondary, they've got a lot of talent there. We'll see if they let up the big plays. That has been a little bit of a tendency this year. Kansas State wide receiver core, they're speedy. I expect them to take their shots down the field, and if they convert on a few of those, this is going to be a close football game. K-State's defense was the best in the Big 12, but ultimately I think Bryce Young will find a way to get bama the points needed that touchdown spread is close enough where i am going to consider taking kansas state but i think bama is going to win this game with who they've got playing in this they clearly have more talent i'm a little concerned about the offensive production there but they have the best player on the field in bryce young so i'm taking bama in this game to beat the wildcats
0: king i'm with you i absolutely love that all the alabama players are playing this in this game it makes my college football heart very happy i actually my wife's cousin is a student manager on the Alabama team, for the Alabama team. I saw him over the holidays. I asked him, I said, why is everyone playing? Like, that's just not the norm in college football. And I said, don't get me wrong, I love it. But why are they playing? And he really, to be honest, guys, he didn't have a great answer for me. And I was just kind of like, I mean, is it just when, 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 uh oh my gosh, King, you're going to have to cut this part. Bryce Young. When when Bryce Young and Will Anderson, I, I think it's CJ Stroud. So hang on, cut, cut, cut. When Bryce Young and CJ Anderson decided we're playing in this game, like those are just the leaders of the team. And I think that set the tone, and everybody else fell into line. And he was like, Yeah, I mean, I I think that must be it. And I was kind of thinking I was going to get more out of him, you know, from being around the team, being in that locker room, but he really didn't know. And I think that just goes to show it is so out of the norm for high profile players, players that are going to be top 10 picks, potentially the number one overall pick, playing in a game that their own fan base would call meaningless, King, as you said. And that just goes to show the standard that's been set at Alabama. Again, this is an Alabama team that went 10-2. and They didn't win their own division, which is, which is very uncommon for Alabama under Nick Saban, as we know. And they finished with 1.2 fewer wins than expected. That's the expectation at Alabama every year. 11-plus regular season wins. I mean, it's, it's absurd, but that's what we've come to expect. This is the number three power rated team for me. They started the year power rated number one, and they never dropped lower than number three. This is a very, very good Alabama team. Their only two losses, a last-second field goal at Tennessee, and a last-second two-point conversion at LSU. This team was only two plays away from being undefeated in Atlanta against Georgia with the spot in the playoff already wrapped up. Now, I understand the flip side of that. They won a couple one-possession close games, so you could say, well, they were only a couple plays away from being 7-5, and five, right? And so I get the door swings both ways, but this Alabama team still really, really good. Kansas State, though, guys, that's got to be the story in this game. Kansas State, just with a phenomenal year, 2.1 more wins than expected. That's 21, 21st nationally. A lot of people in the preseason saying Kansas State's their dark horse team, almost to the point where you couldn't call them a dark horse in the Big 12 because so many people were picking them. But this is a team that started the year power-rated 36 for me, and they climbed every single week from then on, finishing the year power-rated number 10. Of course, they uh, win the Big 12 championship in Arlington against TCU, handing the Horned Frogs their only loss of the year and uh, getting revenge in the game they lost at TCU earlier in the year by 10 points. This is going to be a great game. It's number five on my bowl game ranking list. Probably should be higher since everybody's going to be playing. Both teams fully motivated, as surprising as that is for Alabama. I think we expected Kansas State. But this is going to be a great game. It is the Sugar Bowl, so it's in New Orleans. I'm sure Kansas State fans are going to get down there, have a great time, party. Alabama fans, it's old hat for them going to New Orleans, I think. Uh, but this is a game that I'm very, very excited about. Give me Alabama. I'm taking them with 37 confidence points. Again, they're power-rated number three, guys, and everybody's playing.
2: Brian, what about you? Boom. I'm a numbers guy. I got Bama 37 as well, so I'm going to get that out of the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking at their schedule and their results, right? Two plays away from being undefeated and in the playoff, like what we have come to known as the Alabama expectation. Also, yes, a lot of games have swung their way, but that door has swung their way more so than not in in uh, this Nick Saban era. So that's what everyone's accustomed to. Now, um, it, really cool backstory. You guys did a great job just explaining Bryce Young, Wanting to play and, and some of those leaders on the team wanting to play. That's awesome to see because I think as college football fans, we want that uh, to be commonplace again, right? Especially in this day and age in college football. Kansas State uh, just kind of hurts my heart. Uh, and this might be a stretch, but as a Virginia Tech fan, I see a lot of similarities in Kansas State's program and Virginia Tech. And I mean, I remember growing up in Kansas State and Darren Sproles, and they were in. New York, six bowls. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, what the heck is Kansas State? Like, I play them in NCAA football and they're a joke. But uh, yeah, I credit them. That they, they had a great season. Uh, I think this is, this is what I think Virginia Tech needs to get back to every year, those 10 win years, conference championships. But I uh, hate to poke fun at the alma mater and Kansas State here, but you, you just don't beat those top teams and you don't beat them in the big games. So I'm going with Bama, 37, uh, RTR.
0: RTR. Kinger loves that. To recap, we are all on Alabama. Brian and I both taking the Crimson Tide for 37 confidence points. King, I'll take this next game first. It is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. We have Tulane representing the group of five against USC. What's Vegas think?
1: USC is a two-point favorite over under 62 and a half.
0: USC, only a two-point favorite. Something to keep an eye on here. Uh, I know we've got some opt-outs from USC. We've got, you know, rumors now swirling about Lincoln Riley. Is he going to go be an NFL coach? I personally don't think there's much merit to those. But who knows? Lincoln Riley surprised me greatly last year when he left Oklahoma for USC. So he could very much surprise me again this year. (laughs) Guys, these are two teams. i got to own it. I did not think USC in the preseason was going to contend for the college playoff, as a lot of people thought they would. And again, they were on the doorstep. They shouldn't have been, in my opinion. But they were, so credit to them. They were there. They fell just short. I didn't think they were going to really be in contention for the Pac-12 championship game. I I ended up picking them third uh, in my final Pac-12 power rating or or projections uh, behind both Utah and Oregon. Utah was my preseason pick to win the Pac-12, so I'm going to pat myself on the back there. But I missed USC. I did not think that things were going to gel as well as they did for USC on both the offensive side of the ball and the defense, which was improved. Still not a great defense. I mean, guys, the turnover luck with this team was just insane, and it's not sustainable year over year. But They seemed to make it sustainable week over week in the 2022 season. So credit to USC. They made it to the Pac-12 championship game with only one loss during the regular season. Of course, they lose to Utah again in the Pac-12 championship game. uh, Something that King and I, I think, both picked that week going into that game. But they still had a great year. They finished the year with uh, 2.7 more wins than I expected. That's number 12 nationally. But their opponent in this game, guys, grades out even higher in that category. Tulane. 3.7 3.7 more wins than expected. That's number five nationally. This is a team that came out of absolutely nowhere for me. King, we talked about the American, who we thought was going to win the, the conference, who we didn't like, who we thought would maybe regress. Neither one of us, I don't think, really talked about Tulane at all. Not one of the teams that we were expecting to come out of that conference They just absolutely had a phenomenal year, if not for the loss to Southern Miss, which I still don't really understand. They lost by three at home to Southern Miss. They got the win at Kansas State early in the year. They run the rest of their schedule with the exception of a home loss to UCF, which they then avenged in the conference championship game. Tulane, a feel-good story, guys. They finished the year power-rated number 28, which is just phenomenal for Tulane, one of the biggest risers from preseason to end of year. USC finishes the year power-rated fourteen. So I am going to take USC. I'm taking it with 23 confidence points, but I would not be surprised at all if Tulane pulls this out. Again, the varying levels of motivation. Tulane is thrilled to be there. They want to finish the year strong. They want to end it with an exclamation point, getting a win in the New Year's Six Bowl. USC, I have to think, is disappointed after falling just short at the final hurdle before getting into the college Bowl playoffs. So give me USC, 23 confidence points, but I would not be surprised if Tulane is able to pull this out uh brian
2: what about you yeah two lanes the darling right i mean we see this all the time these group of five schools having great seasons and then facing a power five school and just kind of not getting over the hump most times out of not um again usc lost to one team it was two games but they lost only one team pains me to be on their side as, as an nd fan but uh they're talented and they clicked i think it's the model of this new era of transfer portal and free agency in college football all coming together um, to be prolific, especially on the offensive front. Now, I think it's going to be very rare for a lot of teams to replicate the success that USC had and kind of the model that they proved in, in college football this year. Um, but the, the two-point spread has to be – the most intriguing point spread of bull season. I mean, that's just kind of crazy, right? You see Tulane and USC, two points. But, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see what the green wave, green wave have. Again, I'm not really, or I am risk adverse, so I'm going with USC as well. Putting uh, 35 confidence points on it.
0: Kinger, you with
1: us here on USC or are you taking Tulane? No, I'm taking Tulane. I love that USC is an upset alert here. And, and USC is probably going to get Caleb Williams in this, but he's been dealing with that lingering hamstring injury. So we don't know if he's going to be 100%. They got no Jordan Addison. That interior O line is going to be depleted because Voorhees is off to the draft. The starting center is injured. Tulane's going to be a full strength or motivated. You said they already got that big win versus Kansas State. This USC defense over the last seven games of the season, allowing almost 36 points per game, which is ugh, not good at all. So I look for Tulane to try and get their bell of count running back going. TyJ Spears, he almost had 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns this year. They have an efficient QB in Michael Pratt, who led the AAC in passer rating. He's a dual threat. That USC secondary has let up a lot of yards this year, and I think Tulane's going to be able to score in this one. And then even with Williams, they are playing a top 20 passing defense from Tulane. Again, we got to talk about opponent adjusted here, but this is a good secondary. They're going to be motivated. Maybe not all these group of five teams have had the best success in these New Year's Six Bowl games, but I think this is going to be one of them. I'm taking Tulane with the upset this week.
0: All right. Well, to recap this one, Brian and I are on USC. Brian taking the Trojans for 35. I am on USC for 23. Kinger taking Tulane in the upset in the Goodyear Cotton Classic. Uh, let's go. I'll, I'll take this next one first. It's the Rose Bowl game, guys, presented by Prudential this year. It's Penn State. It's Utah. It's the granddaddy of them all. It was the last domino to fall, I think, and what ultimately ended up being the approval of the college football playoff expansion to 12 teams here beginning in 2024. Penn State, Utah King, what's Vegas think?
1: Utah's a two and a half point favorite over under 52 and a half.
0: So Utah is the favorite in this game. Guys, these are two teams. I'll take I'll take Utah first since they're the favorite. They were my favorite to win the Pac-12 this year. I had them power rated number nine to start the year. They did drop to number 13 uh, following their loss to Florida. And then they just rose since then, uh, from that time on. Peaking at number five. Nah,
2: rising? Nice. Not
0: ri- rising. Oh, man, I missed that one. Uh, peaking at number five, uh, and then they finished the year here at number um, eight for me in the power ratings. This is a Utah team that is very, very good. They lost only the opening of the year uh, against Florida. They lost on the road at UCLA. They lost on the road at Oregon. So three true road game losses. They beat USC twice, once at home, once at a neutral site, and Las Vegas for the conference championship game. I like Utah, they slightly underachieved this year, about a half game, fewer wins than I expected, but it's still a really, really good team. Penn State, I talked earlier about, I think it was Mississippi State, I said their only, their biggest flaw all year is they play in the SEC West. Penn State's biggest flaw this year, and they have a couple, but their biggest flaw is they play in the Big 10 East. Guys, their only two losses at Michigan and at home to Ohio State. Those are two playoff bound teams. Those are their only two losses. And you can say, okay, well, who did they beat and the rest of their schedule? And I could say, okay, that, that that's fair, But power rating-wise, this team never dropped lower than 17. They were number 7 for a good portion, like the whole last month of the year, basically. That's where they end for me. So I have number 7 versus number 8 in the power ratings. This game grades out number 3 in all bowl games with a game score of 96. I'm very excited about this one. I'm taking Penn State, a team that overachieved this year, given my realistic expectations at the beginning of the year, two more wins than expected, Give me Penn State, and I'm taking them with three confidence points, and I'm very mad at myself for missing the rising uh, pun that Brian pointed out there very deftly. King, we'll go to you next.
1: Yeah, the best players for both teams – or arguably the best defensive players for both teams, Joey Porter Jr. and Clark Phillips, both outstanding cornerbacks. Both have opted out. No Tavian Thomas or Dalton Kincaid for Utah. A little bit brutal to see, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl game, but obviously you got to understand the decision. I know some of these guys aren't necessarily 100% either, so they don't want to risk further injury, especially because all those guys, for the most part, particularly – Joey Porter Jr., Dalton Kincaid, those guys are going to be high draft picks for in, with the NFL year, next year. Uh, this should be a pretty evenly matched game. Penn State trend they're trying to break here. They've lost seven straight versus ranked opponents. I don't think they get it done. I think Utah, you know, they're they're in a little bit of a re- revenge game here after what happened with Ohio State last year. I think they're a little bit more sound offensively. Cam Rising is, is proven that he's a very good college quarterback here. I, th- I still think they've got a deep running back room. So I think the revenge factor is big here. I don't know that Penn State has enough uh, to get it done. And, again, that ranked, first-ranked opponents in these big games, they've played some very tough opponents, but Penn State's really struggled in these big games recently. So I'm taking the Utes in this one.
0: Brian, we need you to break the tie.
2: James Franklin can't can't get it done against these ranked teams, right? I think that's the wrap on him now, and a lot falls uh, beyond him. But Penn State's just kind of in that not going to be ahead of Michigan or Ohio State. They've had some wins over them over the last few years, but um, and I have my own biases <laughs> against them. So yeah, I'm, and Utah's impressed me. I mean, they were so physical in that USC game; it was. It honestly impressed me the how physical they were, um, you know, rising, how tough he was and how much of a emotional leader and, and how much energy he showed against that uh, USC team for the second time in the Pac-12 championship. So, yeah, I got Utah here. Um, again, I think this could be a really good game. Um, I kind of hate that Penn State's back in, in the Rose Bowl because two Big Ten teams are are in the CFP, and congrats to the Big Ten. That's been pretty rare. Uh, Coming from a a Southeast guy, but, you know, so I'm going with Utah. Uh, I'm going to put 36 confidence points on this one.
0: All right, to recap it, Brian and King are both on Utah. Brian taking the Utes for 36. I am taking Penn State for three confidence points. Guys, we have made it to the final two games that we'll be picking. It is the college football playoff games. First up, we have the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. It is number three, TCU, taking on number two, Michigan, and Kinger. We will start with you. What's Vegas think, and what do you think of the Verbo Fiesta Bowl?
1: Yeah, Michigan's a seven-and-a-half point favorite, over-under 58-and-a-half. And a half and i got to be honest, I'm probably in the minority here. I'm actually more excited for this game than the George ohio State game. And I, I think that this is something that is – Probably I share a differing opinion here, right? It's because I have stronger feelings on who's going to win the Georgia Ohio State game when we get it. But, I mean, you look at these teams here. This is a contrast of styles. you got this Michigan team. They play great defense. They're going to look to run the ball, control the time of possession, pick their shots for play action. They don't want to make J.J. McCarthy do too much. I mean, and then the opposite with TCU, they're going to try and push the tempo. They're going to try and push the ball down the field, get Kendra Miller going, bring that dynamic aspect running game to the offense. I mean, TCU hasn't faced a defense of this caliber this year. The Big 12 has a lot of good defense, but this Michigan unit really is elite, and they are going to have to attack this secondary to get going. Uh, The two teams that have had the most success against Michigan this year, putting up over 400 yards of total offense, were Ohio State and Purdue. Both these are pass-happy teams. Michigan only allowing 2.9 yards per carry on the ground this year. TCU is a very balanced team, and they are going to need to rely on Duggan to lead them in this game. I'm not sure if they're going to really be able to get Kendra Miller in that run game going. And then when Michigan has the ball, it's really all about J.J. McCarthy taking care of that football and making the situational throws. He's been really good these last couple weeks, pretty good at taking the care of the ball this year. TCU defense is good, but I am a little bit worried about their ability to stop the run. I expect them to really try and sell out here and put this in the hands of the secondary, which has been underrated. They're ninth nationally in opposing completion percentage. I really don't think the Michigan run game loses too much without Corum. Donovan Edwards is a solid replacement there. He's a stud if you're asking me. We saw what you did to Purdue in that Big Ten championship game, Um, but I think the big key for TCU in this game is to make sure they don't get too far down. If Michigan gets out to a 14-3 lead, 17-3 lead, and they've got to really push to come back, Michigan's going to try to grind them down. That defense is too good. They're too physical up front to really be able to control that ball. I think that really spells a trouble for TCU if they get down in an early hole here. So That being said, I think TCU does have the QB and the skill position players to keep that test this Michigan defense and keep it close that's seven and a half I don't know that I'd feel comfortable betting TCU but I would not be surprised at all if they keep this game close I'm taking Michigan I think this is finally the year they get back to the national championship but I think this contrasts the styles if Duggan plays well I think they're going to keep this close I think this is going to be a very good football game and I'm very much looking forward to it on Saturday
2: night
0: Brian what do you think about this game
2: very good point, Zach. Uh, I think very similarly to you on this matchup. Um, you know, Harbaugh making the semis two years in a row. Uh, that's really impressive. Is this the year he can get to the, the national championship? We will see. Um, you know, every year, right, the semifinals, good matchups on paper. Three out of 16 have been competitive till till the end. Three out of 16. So... I just remind myself, if you think it looks like a blowout, it probably will be a blowout. Now, TCU is a darling, right? I mean, I think they were very disrespected all season long. People wanted to see them lose because they're not Texas. They're not Oklahoma. But guess what? They took care of business. And I mean, Duggan showed people what a leader and, and amazing competitor he was. So I think, you know, he'll have the team ready to play and ready to compete, but. Michigan really hasn't showed that hiccup yet that you look at with these top teams and, and kind of trying to pick an upset. So it's hard for me to, to think TCU is going to win this game, just given history of the semis and, and similar like favorites and teams. So Michigan, it is 39 confidence points.
0: Michigan surprised me this year guys. Um, I had them power rated number five to start the year, and then they just oscillated between four and five in the power ratings all year. They are currently number four in the power ratings, but they were very consistent in how my numbers have viewed them, but they still surprised me that they were able to finish the year unscathed. I did not think that they were going to beat Ohio State. I thought they'd drop another game at some point along the way. This is a Michigan team that finished with 2.3 more wins than I expected. That's 17th nationally. So a very, very second year in a row, Brian, as you said, that Harbaugh is in the national uh, semifinals. Kinger, you say you think they're, they're going to get there. Brian agreed to the national championship, played for their first national championship since 1997. I'm with you guys. I think Michigan's going to win this game. TCU, Brian, you called them the Darlings, they are. They're the story of college football. Halfway through the year, it was Kansas, it was Syracuse, but TCU just kept winning. Those other teams fell off, and they still had great years, as we talked about earlier, but TCU just kept winning. They kept finding ways to win. They're a team of destiny, and I know they fell – in the Big 12 championship game against a really good Kansas State team. It's hard to beat a team twice. Um, They fall in that game. They still get in as the three seed, as they should. My numbers were very, very much supportive of the committee keeping them at number three. Uh, I think they did the right thing. TCU started the year number 44 in the power ratings, guys, and they just rose all year too, all the way up to number eight going into the Kansas State game. They are currently number nine in the power ratings. They finished the year with 5.6 more wins than I expected coming into the year. Guys, 5.6. They nearly doubled the win total that I thought this team would have coming into the year. It's unheard of. What Sonny Dykes did in year one is going to give first-year head coaches all over the country for all of eternity nightmares because the expectation now from an AD or from a fan base is going to be, well, Sonny Dykes took over at TCU and in year one, Took him to the playoff. Like, why can't you turn things around in one year? I don't think that's realistic. I think that's the exception, not the rule. But he should absolutely be applauded, and that team should be applauded for what they've accomplished. TCU is a great story. I am rooting for TCU in this game, full disclosure, because, one, I always root against Michigan in every single game that they play. I wish they'd go 0-12 every year. They don't because they're a really good team. They're a really good program. But, two, if Ohio State gets by Georgia, my number's, Think think TCU's an easier team to beat. They don't see that this is a team of destiny. We just saw Michigan beat Ohio State on Ohio State's home field. So I am absolutely rooting for the Horned Frogs. You can spin it however you want. The fact of the matter is I just root against Michigan. Uh, TCU would be a, quote, easier opponent by my numbers. I don't think it's going to happen. I, the way I structured my confidence points, Brian, we talked about the way you structured yours for the show. I structured mine. I held everything back for the semifinals and the championship game, so I'm going to give 41, 42, and 43 to those three games. Again, King, we've talked about it over the last three weeks. My numbers not the most accurate in bowl season because of all those other factors. The playoff games are the ones I feel most confident about. Vegas has it at seven and a half. I have Michigan minus eight in this game. I like where I have this game. I'm taking Michigan and I'm taking them with 42 confidence points. So it pains me to do it, but I'm going with my head, not my heart. Give me Michigan. To recap this one, we are all on the Wolverines. I'm taking Michigan for 42. Brian taking Michigan for 39. Our final game, guys, it is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. It grades out as the number one game of bowl season by my numbers. A game score of 99. It is as high as you can go. Kinger, what does Vegas think? And then, Brian, we're going to go to you since you have worked at Georgia as recently as just a couple of years ago.
1: Georgia's a a six-and-a-half point favorite, over under 62-and-a-half.
2: Again, going back to my logic of these semifinal games, I think the dogs are going to roll. Kelly, I'm curious to hear what you say, but, uh, you know, Ohio State's a team that I just – it's hard to root for, very hard to root for, and I look at their schedule, and they don't really have that many impressive wins. Obviously you see a number five next to Notre Dame. They beat them and Notre Dame went and lost to Marshall and then Penn State on the road. But that Michigan game was really disappointing. I know it was kind of a fourth quarter collapse, but um, Georgia's just, again, you know, you look at these top teams, undefeated teams, they don't have that blemish on their resume. They could have easily lost at Missouri. I think not enough people remember that game, but I remember when I was working at Georgia that, they had a terrible game at Missouri because again it was a 11 a.m. kick, early October. You know, it's 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 tough to get up for those games, even a caliber program like like Georgia. But yeah, I mean, I was super impressed with them in the SEC championship, um, even with LSU putting up a lot of points. But then Stetson Bennett and that offense responding and continuing to separate themselves by more than one score, I think that showed a lot, a lot of resiliency there. And you look back at the Tennessee game, I think they just controlled that. No, they didn't get in an offensive shootout, but they shut down Tennessee's offense. And how do you not talk about Georgia in that defense, right? So I think the dogs will roll. I mean, they're the premier program in college football right now, so very hard to root against – or not root against, but uh, pick against them. Now OSU is, is a blue bud, blue blood, obviously, as we know. So um, I hope it's a close game. I I think it certainly could be, but I just go back to telling myself these semifinal games are, are blowouts for a reason. So I'm going with the dogs and, uh, you know, they're, they're again in their, their stadium number two there in Atlanta. So I know those fans are probably equally as sick as going, (laughs) of going there and, um, traveling from Athens to Atlanta, but it's equally as as cool for them just to kind of have a second stadium for these big games that they uh, in the years I was there wasn't so good on them against Alabama, but has been a lot better for them in recent years. So, dogs forty confidence points. All right, Kinger. What do you think
1: about this game sorry to do it to you kelly but i'm with brian i think georgia's gonna roll in this one i think this is a double digit margin victory for the dogs when we previewed the georgia tennessee game earlier this year the reason that i said that i like georgia is that game is because they are fast enough physical enough they have the athletes on the defensive side to compete with that high-powered offense and i think that's the exact same story that they have here you know georgia's fantastic against the run number one in the country Ohio State has really struggled at times this year to run the ball, so I think Kirby is going to make this a one-dimensional game. They're going to get after Stroud, and I don't think Ohio State is going to be able to do enough in that run game, be dynamic enough to really score enough on this Georgia team. I mean, talent-wise, OSU has the the dudes on the outside. This is one of the best wide receiver cores in the country. And UGA secondary, they've struggled a bit at times this year, but they're going to load the box, and this is going to be a very similar strategy to what they did to Tennessee. Right, Let these mediocre pass plays happen, prevent the big explosive plays, I'm sure Ohio State's going to get one or two But I think Kirby's going to have this secondary prepared And if they can stop the run I just don't think Ohio State has it And, and I do really The, the main concern here is, is is I am worried about Ohio State's defense Stetson's been in these big games before He's a very good college quarterback Ohio State very poor depending, Defending the pass this year I like those tight ends I like those skill position players from Georgia I, I'm gonna bet Georgia in this game. I'm gonna bet them to cover the sport, the spread in this. I think Georgia is the better prepared team. I think they're the better coach team, and I'll be shocked if this is a close football game. I hope it is as well, but my head tells me that Georgia runs away with this and they win easily. So I'm taking the Bulldogs. I'm taking them to win this game and face Michigan in the national championship.
0: I'm not going to bury the lead. I agree with you guys that I think Georgia is going to win the game. Georgia is and has been the best team in the country for, by my numbers, the last three, four, five weeks of the season. They started the year number three, they rose up to number one for one week going into week four, then they dropped again to three or two, and now they're back up at number one and have been there since before the Kentucky game and haven't relinquished that spot. This is the team that lost um, five first-round draft picks off the defense from last year, came back, and basically didn't miss a beat. Kirby There's an article out on ESPN now, Uh, I forget who wrote it, but Kirby Smart has made Georgia into Alabama 2.0. I mean, what Kirby Smart has built in Athens is what Nick Saban built in Tuscaloosa. Now, I'm not comparing the two coaches yet. I'm not comparing the two programs yet because of the accomplishments of Nick Saban in Alabama since he got there in 2007 started winning titles in 2008. I mean, he's done it for going on 15-plus years now, and he's won six, seven national championships. Kirby has one national championship to his name. He's the favorite to get a second this year. So I think in a decade's time, it might become appropriate to start comparing those two. What I'm saying, though, is the infrastructure that he has put into place, what he's built in Athens, is eerily similar If not, maybe better in some areas because he took what Saban did and he put his own spin on it and he's having great success. Too early to say if it's actually better, but it's trending very much in the right direction. Georgia is what Alabama is and used to be. Like This is not a team you pick against. This is not a team you bet against. All of that said, Ohio State is still power-rated number two in my numbers. Ohio State started the year two, they dropped to three for three weeks, they were back up to number two, they spent about a month and a half being my number one power-rated team, and they've dropped to two since Georgia took over the number one spot. I know they lost the game to Michigan, I know the final score was a 22-point margin, I know it was at home, and every single person in America knows it too, which is why I think the spread is what it is at six and a half. My numbers like Georgia in this game by about two and a half. And I understand that that's a lot closer than a lot of people out there have and a lot of models out there have and and what the public opinion is. I think the public, and you see it with the Vegas line, is overreacting. I think a reaction is, is, is natural and necessary, but I think they are overreacting to what they most recently saw from Ohio State, which at the end of the game was a very ugly loss. Ohio State was winning that game at halftime. Ohio State was within striking distance in that game in the fourth quarter. Things got away from them, as Brian said, and ultimately you play four quarters. It it was to Ohio State's benefit in the Penn State game. Penn State was winning that game in the fourth quarter. Ohio State pulls away and ends up winning it by two scores. So it goes both ways, but I think the public's overreacting to what they saw most recently from Ohio State, and they're discounting what they saw for the first 11 games of the season, which was an Ohio State State team outscoring its opponents by nearly 17 points per game more than you would expect the average top 25 team to outscore those opponents at those locations. So this is an Ohio State team that definitely has flaws. They were exposed by Michigan. If Ohio State can stop Georgia from pulling off explosive plays, big chunk plays, which they could not do against Michigan, then I think it's going to be a close game. It absolutely hurts Ohio State that they're playing it in Atlanta. That is Georgia's number two stadium. It is their backyard. All of those things. Georgia's a better team. If Georgia plays to the level that they're capable of, Georgia will win the game. Ohio State has to play their A game, maybe their A-plus game, and they have to hope that Georgia does not play their A game. If that happens, I think Ohio State can win this game. I don't expect it to be a blowout. I do think it's going to be close. Now that I've said that, Ohio State will probably lose by 30, but that's how my numbers see it. My heart obviously wants Ohio State to win it. There's talk out there about Ohio State backdoored their way into this playoff. Guys, I... I, I understand why that is said, because they didn't play for their conference championship game and they lost their most recent game. Other teams haven't played for their conference championship game and made it in two. Ohio State's resume is the number four resume in the country by my numbers, which I like to think are objective. They deserve to be in the playoff. Their reward is go out and play the number one team in the country in their own backyard. If anything, it's not fair to Georgia, who has to play who I think is the number two team. So, there we go. I am taking Georgia. i have taken them for 41 confidence points. I hope I'm wrong on both the semifinal games. I will gladly sacrifice the 83 confidence points that I just put on those two games if it means that I get an Ohio State TCU National Championship game. But to recap this one, we are all on Georgia. I'm taking the Bulldogs for 41. Brian taking the Bulldogs for 41. Forty, Guys, we did it. We picked 16 bowl games, and we were going on two hours. We knew it was going to be a long episode, but we can't get out of here without King, you giving some best bets that you've got for this bowl week three.
1: Yeah, we had a winning weekend last weekend, Kelly. It's been a while, that's for sure, but we're back on track. I'm going to bet a lot this weekend. Let's just, uh, let's just be honest. So I've got a few plays here to start. I'm going to be adding bowl games left and right, I'm sure, but initially I said I'm going to take Georgia minus 6.5, I'm still undecided when I'm doing that other playoff game, but I'm going to take the over 56 in that Kansas State-Alabama game. I think Saban's going to be out for some vengeance there. I think he's going to try and put up some points in that Kansas State defense, who is good, but we'll see how good they are there. I like the over, and then I'm leaning towards Bama, minus 6.5 there as well. I'm on Mississippi State pick 'em, and I'm on Washington plus 3.5. So we got four plays to start. We're going to be betting a lot of football this weekend. Um, there's some definitely some lines out there that I like, just haven't made some final plays yet. So that's where we're starting.
0: Brian, we ask every guest. Uh, not all of them work in college athletics like you and I do, but any uh, any specific lines or over unders that stick out to you this week that you feel inclined to talk about?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna pass on that opportunity, <laughs> but I appreciate we it. We thought you
0: might. We have to offer it though. We offer it to all of our guests. And Brian. Not all of our guests earn their way onto the podcast. We make a lot of ass of folks to hey, will you be a guest on today or this week? Will you come on, share your expertise, share your path, share your story, share your knowledge of college football? Brian, you earned your spot, which to me is honestly a higher honor than being asked to come on you earned it. You won the 2022 Bull Pick'em competition. We appreciate you coming on. It was great to catch up, as always. But just thank you so much. This was so much fun. Uh, hopefully, we gave you a little break from the from the six-month-old and you were able to get away and enjoy talking some college football with us. It was a long episode. We knew it was going to be long, picking 16 games and having a guest on and wanting to go in-depth with the New Year's Six and everything. But thank you so much for joining us, guys. He is Irish Hokie 24 in the competition's be looking out for him next year cuz he says he's coming back.
2: Hey, thank you and that's a nice spin on it, Kelly. You've always been a good wordsmith uh, about earning it and not being asked even though, you know, you probably ask some some people that your listeners want to hear to and not myself, but yeah, this was a blast. Really appreciate it talking about my passion and my career and uh, we'll see how how the cookies crumble uh, during bowl week 3 and the New Year 6, but um you know it's been really fun and you guys have a great thing going on so appreciate you including me and um hope you continue to to keep it rolling and, and build that audience and do what the people love here and so uh thanks again and you know have, have a great rest of the holiday season and happy new year
0: Appreciate it, Brian. Good luck to your Irish. Good luck to our Bobcats. Good luck to Vanderbilt as we move forward here into the winter and spring sports. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure you hop into our Bowl Mania Pick'em competition. You can find that on the ESPN app. It is We Hate Your Team podcast. Uh, Until next time, enjoy week three of the 2022 bowl season, which includes our New Year's Six and college football playoff semifinal games.